Pandora's box is about to open wide. Welcome once again to Pandora's box, everybody. Um, do you remember ages ago, guys? We used to just um, actually, you, I, I didn't, but you, I would always with you guys just give each other like random names mm. every mm. week. Well, this week, I'm just I've decided I want to be Sergeant Spermile. <laughs> okay, so I'm Sergeant Spermile this week. So welcome to Pandora's box. I'm Sergeant Spermile reporting for duty. Um, with the guys in the studio. Do you guys want to give yourselves cool names this week? Cool names, because like I don't know if it'd be as cool as Sergeant Spermile, obviously. True. Yeah. But um, I'll be uh, Thumbwax. Thumbwax, nice. Mm. Okay. I'll be Apollo. Um, oh. Uh, but in in honour of our recent journey ah. back from Kent and yes, our discussions on such things. Oh yeah, we were talking about um, you know, if if Drew had like a son, what what he would. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, I just <laughs> stopped in his tracks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, we were talking about <laughs> if you had a son, what we call him, and we were like deliberating him for quite a while, weren't mm, we? And mm. and then I can't remember how we came onto it, but you were saying like you know you'd quite like something. La- oh, so it's like you said you could like quite like something Latin mm. and then I was saying you know like mm. names like Felix I know are quite popular in places like Scandinavia even though obviously you think well why in Scandinavia like Latin names but Latin names seem to have taken hold for some reason in Scandinavia like um, like Magnus for example is a Latin name but it sounds mm. I think so Scandinavian just mm. because um, it sounds you know there's a lot of Scandinavians called Magnus and it sounds Magnus, like a very a cool strong. name that's a cool there's name there's been some very um, like famous Scandies with the name Magnus as well Magnus it's, Mag- a, it's a very powerful name, I mm. think, Magnus. Magnus Magnusson is considered one of the best strongmen of all time, as is also, and he's an Icelander, and there's also one of the best strongmen of all time, it's called Magnus Samuelsson. He's another, he's another, world, one of the world's strongest men. One moment. Can you please focus me on the camera? Ah, yes. Bro is out of Thank focus. You. I'm a little bit out of focus, you see. Ah, there we go. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. It's, sorry, sorry, Magnus. <laughs> yeah, that's all I was going to say, right? And then we started talking about... I can't remember how we got into it. We were talking about different names of like Greek gods, Greek gods yeah. and stuff, mm. and then we were talking about. I remember like Eros and oh, I love Eros and Phobos and all these different ones. And then we were looking up the names, the meanings of ones, weren't we? And then uh, yeah, came on Apollo. And well, Apollo was like Apollo the... was um, god of music, poetry, and medicine, mm. and which is perfectly. Like, oh man, I want to be called Apollo. <laughs> you were basically known Apollo for being... Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, could I, could I, if I had a kid, would I call it a poro, a poro, Apollo? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I told Meg when we went to medicine, she was like, no, but she really liked Eros. So that's, mm. that was the other name, which I thought was really Can you cool. remember what he was the god of though? Of love. Well, you would have to make love to make a cut mm-hmm. so. And Eros, <laughs> a, a child called Eros, born of Eros. Yeah. It, you could literally call him Eros Bonavero. Yeah. <laughs> and just to make him sound, you know, Utrecht, Son of Apollo. Utrecht, son of Utrecht. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could change your name to Apollo. Yeah. Mm. I was quite. I, di- I actually would do that. What, you actually would change your name to Apollo? I would, yeah, I would definitely change my name <laughs> to Apollo. In fact, you better watch out because I might be called Apollo. <laughs> next Imagine time just I come like, in. just almost be really comical, like every, just like accidentally calling you Drew and be like, Cameron, my name's Apollo now. I'm actually Apollo. <laughs> All right. Apollo, actually. And here we have Apollo. Yeah, but that's what, like what you're known for. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it should be a, a middle name. Obviously, you've always been known primarily for music, but then especially in the last sort of, well, I don't know, sort of always have been for at least the last 10 years, I'd say, yeah, as almost. Like, well, I've always jokingly called you 
um, the shaman of, of Canuctonshire, <laughs> haven't I? Canuctonshire yeah. being Canuctonshire. Now I'm studying at Blue Morpho Academy. Yeah, so, literally you know. you're studying, and you've le- legit been out to like the Amazon several mm. times for ayahuasca mm. ceremonies. So, I mean, yeah, legit medicine, man. It's like that Pantera song. He's the medicine man. Yeah. Yeah, so for everyone that watched last week's episode, we were in Kent. It was mysterious. The sunny shores. Do you want to narrate a bit, Bowenko? <sighs> Ladies and gents, another week is upon us. The sun sets and the sun rises in the east. And we must thank the Lord for the blessings he has given upon us. Of course, our noble warriors have returned this week from the sunny shores of Kent the blazing heat of Bridgewater. And now they bring us music, they bring us gifts, they bring us presents. That of which we will now enjoy.
power of soul will always win. Oh, there. That was like a cool <laughs> little random jam we had. We I think that was inspired by um, Cider House Rebellion. Yeah. I, I felt like the accordion player then. <laughs> oh, man, that was insane. Yeah, those guys were so cool. So, yeah, for um, obviously, as I said, uh, people that watched last week's episode. Um, by the way, sorry it wasn't Which out. Was in on, Kent. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. we were in Kent. Um, everybody, uh, if you only ever listen on the radio um, and you didn't see our Instagram post, um, we didn't re- release it on the radio, basically, because we were just a bit in a bit too naughty, we thought. Mm. Um, we were obviously usually a, a fairly naughty. But we were we were yeah. we were having a few beers and it was late at night and I think you know when you're not when you're out of your normal Eugene's surroundings few yeah exactly yeah exactly so when we decided just to bring it out on Spotify and YouTube so if you only ever listen on the radio and um, you're like oh I didn't see last week's then just go on YouTube or Spotify and you'll be able to, mm-hmm. you'll be able to watch it guys but um yeah we yeah, were in we were in Kent um, our main purpose for being there was a to work um, Broadstairs folk week festival which was epic um, and also to be on um, Mark Kerry's um, UYC show on Thursday where me and Drew played um, live we played four songs and, and picked a load of songs and talked to Mark about music and stuff that was really cool um, but yeah we met some freaking awesome guys um, while we were there we interviewed two uh, well three three artists two separate groups Sam Brothers who was an awesome musician oh, yeah. we, we interviewed him and we also recorded him playing live so we will be bringing, um, releasing that on our YouTube and our Spotify, and we will pull it out on the radio as well at some point in the future. But we've, you know, obviously at the Gotta time, get that yeah, we were, and, and we like a lot of like random footage of stuff of broadstairs we took. So obviously, you know, it, when we were there at the time, it's sort of like very raw. So uh, Drew, Drew being a genius, will sort of make it all nice and neat and tidy and put it in some awesome little package, which we can then put out on. Um, all of our yeah various platforms for you, and it'll definitely be awesome content. But yeah, the Cider House Rebellion, who Drew is referring to, these two guys, um, Adam Summerhays and Murray. <sighs> oh, I'm sorry, Murray, I can't remember your name, the mm. last name. Um, Murray is it the Granger? accordion man. I think it might be Murray Granger. But Murray it might, the comedian. But it also <laughs> might not be. Mm. <laughs> he was a funny chap. <laughs> yeah, he was cool. Um, both awesome guys, but. I felt when I was um, chatting to them, I felt like their knowledge of music and their sort of experience of music was so uh, like top tier that I almost felt like a child amongst adults. <laughs> mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. Because 100%. they were talking like they both were like um, you know went to university, did music, and then left. Like, their whole entire career, like they've worked in music all their lives. They've never mm. had a job which hasn't been musical. Mm. Well, I don't know if about that, but you mm. know, what I mean, like. Um, all of their lives, like they they basically started working deeply in like studied, classically played, deeply and classical trained. And as soon as they left university, started working mm. around the country in like concertos and classical music and stuff like that. Like that was like their job. Mm. A full on pillar of their sort of life. Then, yeah. Mm. I mean, I mean, I know that um you, you said before, Bullwinkle, about um and like lots of other people have said about like the fact that me and Drew obviously on Pandora's box mm. and, and just like you know obviously when we're, we're jamming a lot on our own but obviously nobody sees that like we do like a lot of improv stuff and a lot of people think that's that's quite impressive but those guys it was almost like if me and Next Drew were like level. if me and Drew were, if <laughs> wow. me and Drew like tap into that sometimes then these are guys that are like masters of it they're Whoa. running on that fuel yeah like they can, they can just tap into they that they can sometimes even just go so what key is this going to be in I don't know. Let's just start playing. Bam! They just, like, they just, and that's, that's what they did at this. Yeah. And I almost think they were doing it at this uh, this show that w- they did there. 
to almost like make a point because mm. we'd had this massive conversation and, and Callum had done an interview with them and they were just talking about just improvisation yeah. and how powerful that type of mm -hmm. performance can be and everything. And it was like, and said that, like, you know, sometimes they don't even need to discuss what key it's going to be in or anything yeah. like that and just go. Yeah. And, then, and, then they, and they did down the first track that they wow. played, like, at, at, at the hang. And it, it was so impressive to watch. Like, I can't wait, wait to watch back mm. the footage because I was concentrating so much on filming it. Like, the second half of the show, like, um, I stopped filming it. And yeah. it was like, I was almost sad that, like, I hadn't filmed that yeah. as well because it was just so incredible. It's going to be nice, so, though, man, because when, yeah. you, when you obviously edit, you can watch it back again. Yeah. You'll be, like, the first person to watch it back again. Mm. And as I said, it was such good footage. And I think it'd be really nice to almost, like, get it. Um, as I said, I think, you know, as we've already said, we'll probably do it, almost, like, create several different edits out of it. But I reckon it'd be cool to do... Um, mm. like one where we almost like start maybe like the interview with like a little bit of playing and then like, have a little bit of talking with them and then like cut almost like to them playing a yeah. little bit I reckon that'd be like really epic but then obviously we can also just like release maybe like the set um, yeah was yeah, their definitely. full set improvised yeah um, wow. I think they played a couple of tracks. Well, well they, right. they do, but even on the tracks that they played that are like ones that they've done before, mm. they completely improvise them. Wow. So they yes. have the tenants of the melody yes. and yeah. they're yeah, like, yeah. and the like kind of like basis yeah. of what, but they will take it wherever they want to go with That's it, you know? That's crazy. Which is like so cool. Yeah. And, and, they, and one of the things they said in the interview, what I found was really interesting, like, like old folk players would say that you will never play us a folk song the same twice and I, I really like that that's really know? cool it is it's just even like the, the, the old like kind of ones that are completely uh, like really well known as folk songs and stuff mm. would be like completely different every time I mean, because that's a traditional way of doing it yeah, yeah. And, cool. and I know I spoke to you about it before Drew but one of the reasons why I like folk music um, so much is because I think there's there's quite like a in like modern music there's a very much like this is mine uh, like copyrighty um, attitude towards music and, and that, that's fine don't get me wrong I do, I do obviously think that like you know um, say if you write a track and you release it as an album it's only rights that you know the right that you obviously get like you know paid for that and stuff like that but I also love the, the, the freedom and the sort of the, the feeling of um, community in like old folk tracks where say like you know there's like classic folk tracks and it's like nobody owns them. Nobody no. even knows mm. who wrote them originally. Mm. Um, maybe it wasn't even one person. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure they've like, you know, they've a lot of them, there's like slightly different versions that have been changed over the years. But, you know, a lot of these tracks have been sort of like lost for maybe a couple hundred years and then rediscovered. Um, and, and, and people didn't know the melody, so they'd recreate it again, but with the same lyrics and chords. And sometimes even the chords were lost. So then you just have the lyrics. Do you mm. know what I mean? So, um, you know, it, it's quite, it, it's almost like a feeling of, national unity in that regard mm. in terms of like if you're a, mu a musician or not even like national i mean obviously it doesn't matter if you could be from across the other side of the world and you could come to, to britain and find these songs and and for some reason if you, they li you liked them you struck a chord with you then you know yeah i'm literally um then you could do your own version and then there's something that's very like awesome about that i think you know? i think mm. the difference in like um what it must have been like to be a folk musician in those days is it's the life that you would live mm. so they probably got most of their like money from, from 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 traveling around and actually playing gigs Being and doing and chucking them yeah rather shillings. than being like i own this song i'm gonna release it and get all the money for it yeah. from from all of these downloads you know because even on like spotify i know that you can release covers without having to like tell the artist and stuff like that mm. but i doubt you would get any like money or royalties mm. from that i think it would probably always go back mm -hmm. to the artist but i did notice that because i thought i wonder if you wanted to do a cover on an album like how you would do that and I looked it up, and the rights on Spotify allow you to do that. So wow. you, we could we could cover like 
a song and not worry about like um the the royalties of it and stuff because spotify handles all of that yeah but we still won't get any money for it you know what yeah, i mean yeah. so it's like yeah i can imagine they would just go around and i guess it'd be like almost like a bit like you know like someone like um like yaskier on, on jaskier yeah on, on, yeah you know, you know it's almost like you you build up a reputation as either like a good or a bad bard and obviously the, the better you are and the, the better stuff you play and stuff like you get a good reputation and then eventually you could even be like um asked to be playing some sort of like lord or lady or even like mm. a king's court mm. and then i guess once you're in that you basically got a life of luxury because you've got like a really good room in like this a lot of them would get like patrons and... wouldn't they so mm. you'd become a patron of a certain lord yeah and then they would sponsor them and they would literally give them well, you, a wage you'd so cool. for going, you'd for going around yeah. and actually singing songs about the lord and about yeah. their house and mm. and stuff you yeah know? And then yeah. obviously that's like a you scratch my back, I scratch your back thing because not only are you living in maybe even like one of the, one of the nicest established, well, no, nicest like places in the country, and feasting at the, the 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 finest sort of you know banquets and stuff in in the country, but then obviously the people that are you know with the lords or the ladies, the kings or whatever, they're also having these epic tales written about them which yeah. will last forever. And it's, it's almost them. it's almost like ancient propaganda, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah and that's when, when would everything would have been word of mouth, like a more poetic yeah. way. Yeah. So it was at the, it was at all the, the feasts and stuff like that. But then they would send the bards out mm. around the country mm. to mm. actually spread the word of these lords and ladies, mm. and they would sponsor them to do that. And they just go from village to village, just singing about. Do you reckon their lord. that? Do you reckon, like, that, that um, so cool. do you reckon in like five hundred years, Drew, somebody will be like this, like rediscover the YouTube archive? No, like the Facebook archives, and they'll see that song I wrote about you on your birthday and then you'll, so, you'll be immortalised then mm. I like that idea of be, being becoming a patron yeah of, like, of, mm. of, of just you know there's someone like someone like I suppose that is what Patreon is is kind of about mm. like you know like people really support your work so they're happy to pay you a monthly subscription to see more of like what mm. you're doing and people like that's their main income is like their Patreon page yeah. and stuff like, yeah it's a cool idea I suppose that's a modern equivalent to it but yeah you know, do you feel people like do you feel like you've come back from the festivals now feeling like a new lease of life almost a new a wave Hell of uh, yeah. inspiration mm -hmm. yeah I mean I definitely think it's like humbling to be around such amazing musicians mm. like, I mean he, like the other guy that we saw as well that we really connected with Sam Brothers like both um, you know all of the guys the three guys that we spent time with like while we were there um, were all just great musicians yeah they? Mm. Um, and, and it's living like, the life of it yeah. as well yeah because like you know there's there's no there's no like part-time element to them um these these guys all live breathe um mm. music you know like you could see like and that's the, really inspiring to yeah. see people like actually doing that you know yeah. and how soft sam brother's voice was on his and how amazing his recordings were but yet in a pub situation how he could still rock the whole place just mm. like you know it was powerful interactive confident yeah. um and then just mixed with amazing guitar playing amazing singing amazing songwriting um, yeah, just really like uh, humbling. Um, it almost gives, feels like it gives you a bit of a kick up your ass. I think mm. um, you know, um, not sort of, sort of like rest on your laurels or rest on the odd compliment here or there or something like that to actually be like, oh, okay, yeah, there are these guys out there, man, that are just mm. like freaking killing it and like are, like mm. gigging multiple times a week. Mm. You know, yeah, like he had six gigs in the that uh, week in that, wow. in that week. Yeah, so even since just... even since the gig that we saw him, he must have played what like another year, like four or five gigs since we that's last saw him. That's living it, isn't it? It's yeah. like crazy. and it was a two-hour gig as well. It was a two-hour set yeah. he played last time, and that's just on his own. You know, no mm. no backing musicians or anything. Mm. So fair for Yeah, this though. really cool like stomp box that he built as well, which is like just a massive square piece of wood with like cool. a kick and a snarey part, which he was kind of mm -hmm. plugged into the PA and was using that to give him some like give him a bit of bass sound and nice. stuff. Oh, it's so cool. 
yeah well, another thing i really appreciated as i said um, s- s- um in in the same way i really respected how almost um just absolute masters of their game um uh murray and and adam the two guys from cider house rebellion were just absolute masters you know classically trained like literally like um at you know traveled the country up and down the country and maybe even the world i don't know with concertos and all these other highly trained classical musicians and stuff like that but um in, in like obviously um sam, sam isn't like that but sam uh his encyclopedic knowledge of music mm. that really impressed me um like there'd be like you know there'd be times where i'd be like oh yeah and i think this song was written you know because we, we, we were sort of like bonding over like you know our love for like towns van zandt and, and and certain other artists and i'd be like yeah i think he wrote this song like at this guy's house i can't remember who it was and he'd be like guy clark and i'd be like yes Do you know what i mean it's mm. just like he seemed like his his knowledge not just not just the way he lived and breathed music but his knowledge of music was just so impressive to me mm. um like yeah whether it's like from like a a pure knowledge perspective or from an actual playing perspective or whatever you want to call it like he he had all his bases covered man mm. do you know what i mean like as mm. as we said his life his life was like just his life was music mm. you know mm. just living and breathing it do you know what i mean i can't imagine there's anything else you know i think he's just probably from the moment he gets up every day to the moment he goes to sleep that's probably what he's thinking about wow. yeah if- yeah and the thing i took from the other guys as well cider health rebellion it's like just the the technical ability of them on their instruments like you could tell the whole first part of their life probably with music was mm, like honing te- te- honing technical mm. aptitude for their instruments oh yeah and then and then like they've got to the point now where they know they have all that mm-hmm. so they can just completely let go of that like with their mind and just flow in the moment and get in the flow state together and then just completely trust their technical ability yeah. to take them wherever they want to go just go for it and that was like and, and i was like man that must be like so liberating it's like in in structure you get freedom so like the structure of the technical ability you're getting the freedom of just being able to use that in a completely unfettered way you know it was like yeah that was so cool yeah man 100 percent um i thought it was really cool as well there was like they were quite interactive as well on side house rebellion like there was this one stage near the end and they they basically said like um like give us a key and i can't remember someone shout out like d, d yeah. yeah and then he was like give us a time signature and then he sort of like stopped and was like oh once somebody told us to play was it like seven eight or yeah, something like that weird. and then they started playing something which reminded me of tool yeah it was, it was like, like five four or something i think they it was like crazy yeah. and then they for about 30 seconds they played in this really weird time signature um and then sort of stopped and then went into into this like improv piece but um i thought that was super cool how they like, they'll let the crowd pick the key and the time signature Mm. like that's that's um how awesome is that like mm. how freaking awesome is that you know Interactive. yeah yeah um but yeah i think that's that's absolutely awesome and obviously as i said it's 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 interesting how it turned out i think as well drew because even last week like the day or two before we met um and uh adam and, and uh murray side of house rebellion guys like i mean we talk about it all the time but we were talking about you know our, our love of improv and um, how it takes obviously quite a lot of confidence to do that mm. like live obviously these guys have got the confidence and they, they know they, they they know they can have the confidence because of how good and versed they are but not only does it take it takes a tremendous amount of skill and then a tremendous amount of, of confidence because I mean even you know me and Drew were talking in the car I think um, even you see really high tier musicians I mean even you know you, you watch them live sometimes and you can tell a certain member of the band might get caught up in the moment, maybe overanalyze what they're doing or like forget something and they'll basically like mess it up. Yeah. Trip up. Yeah, and these are like high level musicians. Mm. Mm. I mean these guys are these are guys that have been playing for forty years sometimes, mm. you know? Um, like playing freaking way longer than we us we've been even alive. Mm. 
and it still happens but i think yeah with those guys it's so cool to see that they have just they're like free of that mold they, yeah you can't almost wow. do that no, with their can't. style they, no, you can't. anything you're playing what i found as well like being um in like heavy metal band where it was like very um uh like the the song structures were the song structures we might elongate a few little bits and have a bit of like a where we would make bits longer and just feel like on um like like what to do and stuff but you pretty much had the structure of the song mm -hmm. and those songs almost become like neurological pathways in your mind that are just etched into your brain of mm -hmm. like so if you start at the start and you start at that start riff you can almost go on on autopilot and just sure. get through it your, your muscles will remember like, the next parts but if you mess up then it's Break so cycle. hard to start again because you rather than like improv where you it could usually be something like no and it's like and it's like it, it it's just like the pathway is broken mm. now i'm on a different one and it's like how do i get back on that edge of like you know mm. and it was like that a few times where I'd, I'd literally have to wait until like a chorus or something to like or the start of a riff again to be able to be like oh yeah this is where i am but it's so like weird you know like that style compared to just the complete freedom of like improvising yeah <laughs> man oh yeah 100 yeah, 100 Super cool. Um, so how long was your guys' set that you did? Uh, we didn't play at the Folk Festival. We didn't play at the Folk Festival. Oh, right, right, right. We just, mm. No, we didn't play at the Folk Festival. We um, just played on Mark Carey's show. Right, we right, right. On, on the Thursday so that night. that was two... We did, like, two sets of two songs, so... Yeah, we played oh, four nice. songs. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was really cool. As I said, Mark's a, a really good radio host, to be fair. Like, just a sort of a, a really expert at what he does. Um, and, yeah, it was cool to sort of be on the other side of things, you know, because, obviously, usually mm. we're doing sort of the shows, so it's... It was really interesting to obviously go all the way the opposite side of the of, of the country and 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 sort of be guests on, on UYC in, in in like the nice old sort of converted church building and just chat about you know all of our sort of different the different music that we picked to play and then like play music ourselves like live in the studio that was cool the sound was really messed up on the last couple of tracks yeah. wasn't it so that wasn't so cool mm. um, but you know it is live you know it was it's mm. like a live element there was so no chance things like that happen mm -hmm. yeah there was no chance to sort roll of, with it. Because um, Tony, the, the the sound guy, he didn't really know why the issues were occurring. So obviously, if you don't know why the issues are occurring, it's very hard live to, mm. to sort them out. Especially considering, obviously, most songs are sort of anywhere between sort of like, you know, I don't know, let's just say between two and ten minutes long. You know, like, it's very, very hard in that short amount of time to sort out an issue like on the fly. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure as well, isn't there, you know? Mm. So we don't really know why, but um, I say I haven't listened there to it. There was definitely some distortion going on. <laughs> yeah, I haven't listened to it back, I have to no, say. No, I haven't either, no. So I don't know how um, awful we sounded. <laughs> Hopefully we didn't sound too, too I awful. think the first two tracks sounded banging. Like I, I heard it happening a little bit, but I was like pulling back on it, so it yeah. didn't like happen to it, and they were so soft. But the last two tracks were a bit more upbeat that we were doing, so it was like coming through so much, all these distorted guitars yeah. and vocals mm. and that, but like... Ah, uh, it's all good. It's still good fun. Yeah, man, for sure. Mm. Um, what was I going to say as well? Um, yeah, well, one thing that was quite cool was because I said I was a little bit worried about how it was coming across on air, but it seemed to be like pretty good feedback of, um, from like because obviously the Chuff Bus, which is mm. Mark's like you know UYC show, so he's got like almost like a little group page, like a fan page. Yeah, really good way of doing it. Cool. And I, I, I love being part of an actual like live show. Mm. You know, like live radio is like it's a completely different feeling. Yeah, you know, when you're yeah, actually yeah. in there in the moment. You got to let the songs play out, and you're just kind of talking in between and stuff, and like. That was a really cool experience for me. Like, mm. I really, because that just puts you in this flow of the two hours of the show, which is like you don't normally have if you're if you're yeah. in the studio, you know, thing. And so, 
yeah, that was a that was a very different experience. So, Probably um, almost makes you more connected to the listeners as well. Yeah, and that's it. And that's what I was going to say as well. Yeah, with the group, um, they were they were writing in questions mm. like as we were yeah. as we were playing and and stuff and asking questions to us and that. And cool. it was like really cool and interactive. And I thought a group page is a good way of doing it as well, mm. rather than like a or like yeah, like rather than a page on Facebook, actually having a group for that um, that 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 show, you know. And, and yeah, maybe we should make one for Pandora's because yeah. also we've got a Pandora's mm. box Facebook and like Spotify and stuff but an um, actual private sorry, group sorry I, I meant to say Instagram then mm. and TikTok mm-hmm. but yeah almost like actually have like a group on Facebook because then it's a bit more like interactive and, and stuff like yeah. that yeah. you know yeah. people can actually like almost like you know feel more like they're part of a community that would be quite cool wouldn't mm. it you know actually see Definitely. and it would be, be a good way for us to get to to uh, know um People that listen to the show because the Pandora's Box community, baby. That's right. As I said, like, you know, I've been out and about in the past and then it's like almost like surprised me like several times where I've just been like in some random situation and someone's been like, are you the Pandora's Box guy? And I'm like, Mm. yeah. Mm. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And then they'll be like, oh yeah, let's just show. And I'm like, oh, no way. And it seems really random to me at the time. I had so that the other day. Yeah? Yeah. It was at... Um, Are you Bullwinkle? Yeah. It was at... Uh, what's the <laughs> festival? It was at... God, I can't even remember the name of the festival now, but um, the Scribes were playing there. Oh, cool. And I just went... My mum got me ticket so I went with my friend and uh, these two girls came up and were like oh sorry to you know bother you but are you one of the people on Pandora's Box and I was like yeah and they were Not saying that, Rock. they were saying that no 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 they were saying that they'd been listening since the episode with Joe and Hen oh yeah so that was quite cool oh, I was just nice. I, felt, I felt a bit Shout rude at the time because I didn't really know what to say like you said I was a bit like yeah, I, I'm all right. Mm. Yeah, nice yeah. to meet you. <laughs> shout out, ladies. Yeah, mm. shout out. Whatever you, your names you, are. You didn't ask them their names? No, no. Like I said, I was completely like a bit like, oh, thanks for listening. <laughs> That's about it. But, um, well, who, but yeah, whoever you. you are, ladies, let us know um, Let us know who you are. Like, mm. um, Just get hold of us anyway, whether it's on a friend of the Instagram pod. or whatever. And um, yeah, just um, we'll give you a shout out. And yeah, thanks for being friends of the pod. We appreciate you. And also, yeah, shout out um, Joe and Han as well, just for being legends and for being OG friends of the pod. Legends of the pod. Yesterday, I was having a little fiddle on my guitar and I came up, hello, (laughs) and um, I was, uh, just came up with something, it was a bit silly and incredible string bandy. So incredible string band, like this really cool band from the 60s, they were sort of, um, Inspiration for uh, one of the one of the big inspirations for several members of like Led Zeppelin and stuff. Not hugely well known, but they're a really cool band. Very like psychedelic, sort of folky. Um, and then um, I sort of started feast on some lyrics. And literally just before we started the show, I actually wrote down wrote down some lyrics. So um, I'd like to play you a weird little song, basically just to wrap up our experience in Kent. Mm. So um, Drew, do you want to add some of your spice to this? Sugar and spice and all things nice. What's the old riff? It's um. We went to the other side of the south. And we saw a mighty sea We went in the mighty sea And we swam so free La da 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 di da di da di da di da La di da da di da 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 di da di da We went to the other side of the south 
And we've met some mighty parts They shared with us ancient wisdom And showed us their magic tunes La dee da, nee da dee da, din da dee da din da La dee da, nee da din da din da din da din da We went to the other side of the south And we had some mighty feasts They filled our hearts with glee And left us so happy That's our little improv song, it's called We Went to the Other Side of the South because we went to the other side of the South. Yeah, obviously, yeah, we record this on um, West Coast. West Side, uh, West Side. Side. <laughs> yeah, um, West, West Side, uh, West Side, West Coast, um, obviously on Somerset, West, mm-hmm. also on the West Coast of the, of the, uh, of, of the south of the mm. south yeah <laughs> and Kent is literally right on the east coast of the south. as I said last week 235 miles from where we are here so mm. it's a long old drive man Damn. but it's really nice to explore that um, part of the part of the, the UK the because coastline I, I mean, I'm always more inclined to go up north to explore mm. I think partly that's because where my blood is so it's like you know your, your ancestors are sort of naturally yeah, the salmon pool yeah, back yeah, to, yeah. Back to your homeland. The kipper pool. Yeah, the kipper pool. <laughs> you know how salmon's yeah. like, like, like swim yeah, yeah. like. <laughs> but because obviously my granddad's makes, I'm gonna call it the kipper pool. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, because like uh, most of my family are either in like Yorkshire or you know a lot obviously originally from the Isle of Man um, and Lancashire, um, you know, uh, like around Carlisle sort of way. So just basically like very very near the border of um scotland and then on my grandmother's side going back far enough obviously like scottish very much like drew's got um a lot of scottish in here so i feel like more like the pull they call it the pull of your ancestors don't they to like mm. um to sort of go back to where your blood is mm. but uh, so i've never really thought about going east i always associate going east with going to london which i don't really like because i'm not really a massive fan of that whole rat you know the rat race and all that stuff and people are so unfriendly in london and stuff like that obviously in general i'm sure there are some absolutely really friendly and lovely people in london but you know what i mean i think for anybody that's from um, a more friendly part of the country, you know, it's that whole sort of sitting on the tube and you smile at someone and they just sort of either look away or just scowl at you rather than just mm. like smile back or something. Or, mm. you know, you say hello to somebody on the on the street and they look at you like you're weird or something or like, you know, you're, like you're going to mug them. And it's like, I'm literally just saying hello. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought um, around sort of Deal and Broadstairs and Kingsdown where we were, Ramsgate, I think it was Ramsgate, wasn't it? Um, it was like, they, everyone was so nice, weren't they? Yeah, super friendly. Super, super oh, That nice friendly. guy, after we went on uh, Mark's UIC show, we went and took a babby and there was this guy, wasn't he, like in front of us? Mm. And this rambling was like, oh yeah, enjoy the rest of your week, guys, and that. Like, yeah. You know, just like, well, he could hear, hear us talking about music and mm. he was like, enjoy the gigs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, didn't say anything apart from when he was leaving, just said that. Oh yeah, I want to shout out as well, um, that, is it, what's it called, um, Please Sir? Please, that sir. amazing burger place. Oh my Apparently, it was God, voted like the best, insane. the best fast a- food joint in <sighs> Kent or something. Best burger in Kent. I best think. burger yeah. in Kent. Yeah. And the guy, I think his name was Dave. Shout out Dave. 
the 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 guy that runs I, th- I can't remember if he started the company so i do apologize dave but i think he actually started the company himself mm. um he very at the very least runs it but yeah dave so from funny. police uh, in broadstairs um really like top bloke came over talked to us um, it was really accommodating, like shook all Next our Next time hands. I'm having a four patty. We Set had a me two too, patty, didn't we? Set me too, mate. I'm, I'm having a four patty, yeah, yeah. And I want to try that burger you had. Yeah. What was it called? Can so, you remember? Oh, I can't remember. It was Mine so was like insane. something American, like the American classic or something mm. like that. It was basically, it was like a it was like a Big Mac, but way better. Nice. And Drew had, but Drew had like their award-winning burger. He's li- right. literally won like like some food competitions and mm. stuff like that. Um it was good. They were, yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, good. It was good. Yeah, 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 man. <laughs> but um, yeah, shout out Davis. Said he came over, shook all our hands, was really accommodating, really nice chap. So if you are basically anywhere in the UK and you want an amazing burger, go to Broadstairs in Kent. Um, apart from anything else, what a nice town. Mm. Got a really cool, epic um, beach called Viking Bay. Normally, I think mm. um, seaside towns look a bit like scabby. There's like a bit of a Western scabbiness Superman. to them. Yeah, yeah, but like, but Broadstairs was beautiful. Oh, as absolutely well. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely beautiful. Like the shops there. There's- Viking Bay, like you say, and as like well. there, there wasn't that big sort of like chainy shops, was it? They no, were like nice, quirky, yeah. unique shops. And I thought that in Deal as well. Very much, yeah, mm. yeah. What's the deal? Um, yeah, What's very the much. Deal in deal? <laughs> What's the, the deal? Deal and Broadstairs, very, very nice places. Broadstairs, a bit bigger, as I said. Both got very nice beaches. But yeah, Broadstairs, as I said, got a massive beach called Viking Bay. Apparently, it's been called that ever since some Viking invaded um, Kent, like you know, thousand years ago, eight hundred years ago, something like that. Um, so yeah, and there's cool, isn't it? As we were driving into Broadstairs, there's like a big reconstruction of like a massive Viking longship, mm. and then there's like it's called something like Viking Cafe. Or so there's a heavy cool. Viking theme there, which almost just adds a cool element yeah, to the yeah, town, yeah. which we knew your ancestors no- did pull yeah, there, yeah, which, which, which we knew nothing about until we were there. So I was like, okay, this is well cool. Mm. So there's like, and then um, it was funny as well because being a folk festival, there were like Morris dancers and stuff, weren't there? And obviously, Morris dancers are associated with like Somerset. Um, so we went all the way to the other side of the south. Mm. <laughs> we were doing <laughs> and then, um, Yeah, and then like found Morris Dancers, which was cool. Um, and an artificial wakeboard park, which was awesome on the way to oh, Broadstairs yeah. as well. Yeah, that was this cool. massive lake, and they just had a chain system going all the way around it, and they were just pulling people on wakeboards. Like I was like, cool. oh, I wanted. So cool. I really liked the look of next to that. They almost had like a oh yeah ninja. Yeah. What was it? Was it called like ninja, ninja warrior. warrior style assault course, but on water? That's so cool. And I thought, mm. mate, I would love that. Yeah, Cause even yeah, like yeah. if you fell in the water, it would just be great. Do yeah, you know what I mean, like, especially 100%. like a hot day, it'd be all like cool in that, and you could mm. get back and try again, and mm-hmm. just keep trying until you managed to complete. Getting some Wim Hof's in as well. Wim Hofing in the sea, as oh. the song said. That was really nice. Yeah, as, as we alluded to. I had to build track. up myself to actually get in there, but Callum <laughs> was kind of standing there like, you know, and I was like, yeah, I, I need to get in as well. I was about. I was the test subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that was amazing, wasn't it? That was so nice. I mean, I'm sure like some of our listeners partake in the odd um, sea dipping. But um, oh, literally, it's some, so mental how good it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, yeah. we did some amazing things last week in Kent, but that's still, like, one of my very favourite things we did. I say two days in a row. We couldn't on the other days because we were just too busy. But, yeah, two days in a row, we would go, once we sort of finish our working day or whatever, we'd go down to the beach at sort of around five um, in Kingsdown, which is where we were actually staying, which isn't, which is basically, it's like a mile from Deal. Um, mm, really nice little park we were in, weren't we, as well? Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like a like a holiday home site, wasn't mm. it? There were all these nice little, like, red chalets, which almost looked like little Scandi cabins. Yeah, like, triangular right. cabins. Mm. Yeah, um, and then it was like, it had everything that you'd want there, so it had beautiful beach, literally five-minute walk down the road, um, had, like, a, a nice children's park, um, it's pub from, right next to the beach. Yeah, and, a, and yeah, like several pubs, wasn't it? We we went to the Zetland Arms, 
um because that was the one on the beach so it was really nice so yeah we would we would go down to the beach at about five get in the sea spend about half an hour bobbing in the sea and then get out and have a pint at the nice. Dance, which is literally this pub which is pub on the beach um so like you can you can sit outside and you're literally like having a pint on the beach it was mm-hmm. it, oh mate it was amazing no, it sounds great. Dude, it was great. Sounds great. And then you just got all feeling all elated from being, like being in the nice cold, salty water. Mm. And it's very clean water around there, isn't it? Mm. It's where um, the English Channel meets the North Sea as well. So it's quite an interesting. Mm-hmm. It's quite an interesting. Um, Calais in France, man. I mean, like you can see Calais. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. can, you Whoa. can see France, but that's cool. It's interesting because obviously Dover is like yeah, it's over the Calais. It's like the, it's where you go across, isn't it? Um, in the ferry, but it's right round the corner from Dover. But where um, the beach at like Deal and Kingsland is, it's classed as where the English Channel meets the North Sea, which in itself mm. makes it quite like an interesting sea. I think. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. I just think that's quite cool. Person. Yeah. Like, a collision. Mad how you had no <laughs> waves, which was like pretty mm. crazy. Yeah, mm. yeah. I had a dream recently about getting eaten by a shark, and it was oh. a really vivid dream, like full on, like horrifying. I was like trying to fight this shark at some ancient ruins, and then it got me in the end. It, ancient ruins. Mm. Well, you, were like in the, you were like, like underwater. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was because originally mm. it was quite cool. I remember I was swimming around. I was going, "This is amazing!" Mm. And then I had to fight off this prehistoric beast. And uh, mm. since then, I woke an, up and a toadus shark. Mm. I woke up and I was like, "You know what? I've got to watch some shark videos now, right?" Mm. So I started watching these shark videos, and one of the videos I watched was this. I, I don't know what he was doing, but you know how normally you're meant to be in like a cage. This an actual cage if you go into mm-hmm. Great White Sharks. It's right? a really low budget one. This guy was in like this box that was made out of plastic mm. trying to atta- attract a Great White Shark. And this shark comes massive, like huge creature. And it's physically bumping into the oh. plastic, like swimming well, like up, bumping it as hard as it can. Oh, and this guy's like freaking out a bit. And then it just swims off a bit. And he's like... And out of nowhere, this thing just comes in like a hundred miles an hour and just bites through the plastic. And he's like splashing about, trying to get back to the boat. Apparently, he survived. But why would you ever put yourself in a situation where you're in the middle of the ocean in a yeah. plastic box trying to get a shark well, to get you? I, I've heard a bit like the same way, you know, like wherever you go in the world on like beach, like coasts, they'll often be like um, there's lots of like little boat tours and stuff on mm. there, and, and, and some of them are like really good and legit, and other ones are a bit like dodgy. Bit cowboy, and it's mm-hmm. just like some dodgy bloke's bought some dodgy boat, and he's like, "Yo, take you out through whatever." <laughs> dodgy bloke with his dodgy well, boat. <laughs> apparently, yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently, in like South Africa, in Australia, and places like that, they, yeah, there's a lot of just like dodgy people that are like offering shark experiences, mm. but they've like these are like cages that they've made at home out of like leftover like fence wire and stuff. Man. And it's like, dude, like you could probably break through them, mm. let alone a freaking eighteen foot great white shark. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like. And like, yeah, you see some of the videos, you're like, mate, that is like the shoddiest little man-made cage. But you obviously want to go to like a reputable certified company where like the cage is tested, mm-hmm. like properly tested. Like you could smack it with a head Carbon sledgehammer fiber. for like mm. an hour and there'd be like hardly a dent in it. Something. Mm. That's what you want. Mm. You don't want something that some crazy guy no. has just like put together in his, in his back garden out of some <laughs> leftover like you. garden. Yeah. I think I would just say <laughs> no to the whole experience like, like with sharks, especially with great whites. I like, think that's mm. a bucket list thing I want to do. Yeah. But like you say, it's something you do not want to cheap out on. So you don't want to. You don't want to go for the cheap go for option with that. Cage. Yeah, man, a hundred percent. I know. I know. I've like said it, said it a, a lot in the past. Obviously, it's been a lot of the subject matter on Pandora's box. But um, like prehistoric animals just fascinate me. The fact that they were mm. even real, but. What are known as the Atodus sharks, I just think are just so fascinating. The Atodus sharks, so like the most f- the famous Atodus shark would be Megalodon. Right. So they're, they're like, I don't I, I don't think there are any Atodus sharks left in the world. 
Um, so um, the, the the scientific name for Megalodon would be Atodus Megalodon. Whoa. I think they used to think that it was a, an ancestor of the great white shark because the teeth look so similar and stuff like that. But nowadays they don't. They, they've reclassified it as an a, a Todus shark. So mm. are we are we connected yeah. up? So yeah. So I'll, I'll find out what the different ones because obviously Megalodon's the most famous one. But there were other Todus sharks that were still way bigger than Great Whoa, Ones. Well, so Todus are just like big sharks, essentially like huge. I don't I don't know if that's what classifies as them as an Todus shark. Right. Um. Uh, but they all seem to just be freaking huge. Right. Like, right. Right. Like as I said, there are like several other Atodus sharks which look, make, which still make great whites look tiny. Mm. Like these are like monster sharks. Jesus, like monsters. Man. So let me try and find like. Um, so let me have a look. So these are different Atodus sharks. So you have got Atodus megalodon here, in the Pliocene. But I mean, look at Atodus chubentensis. That's not that much smaller. You know, you've got a Todus chobentensis, which isn't that smaller than a Todus megalodon. They look like a nice little family of sharks to me, those ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a Todus augustidens, which is, yet again, still massive. And a Todus aracalatus, which is probably still bigger than a great white. Let me try and... Oh, yeah, so look. So here we are. Um, so have, is there a great white on this thing? Um, right, okay, no. That's, I think that's just like the sizes of different megalodons throughout their lives. I want to try and find like a graph which shows all the Atodus sharks maybe compared to great white sharks. Um, there'll blatantly be some graph put together. Um, so yeah, wow, these, are just, these are just other Atodus sharks. They all look very much like great whites, don't they? Mm. But it's which is weird because they're actually considered, as I said, in a different league of their own sub subgroup. You know, a different subcategory. Um, I've got some of these teeth, different teeth at home. I've got a couple of megalodon teeth and then some other. Um, um, a Todus teeth at home, Maybe which is really cool. Versus yeah, versus white great white shark size, versus uh, great white size. I'll put a Todus sharks because I reckon if I just put a Todus, people might just put megalodon, and I want to see like all of them versus great whites in size. Right, yeah. So this is a great white shark. And I guess this is the upper limit of what they think a megalodon could have got to. And this is the lower estimate of what they think. So like, the very smallest megalodon adults would have been about that size. And then look mm. at it compared to that diver. Mad, isn't it? Yeah, the thought of that just like coming through the ocean trying to eat you is just terrifying to me. Mm. That's ridiculous. The size of that is insane. Man, you look at like great white sharks nowadays and they are huge. Oh, like yeah. When I was watching yeah. this video, this one attacked the guy. It's massive. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. insanely big. But comparing it to that megalodon yeah. on that, crazy, crazy, and it's ridiculous. And it's, and it's interesting, isn't it, as well? Because um, you know, people say as well that with things like great white sharks, and I'm sure it's true. As someone that's never seen one in the wild, um, luckily, um, they say that you can't really appreciate the size of it until you see mm. it in person. Mm. Because there's one say- thing saying, oh, it was an 18-foot-long great white. But they say, like, you don't understand, though, like, like it's not just the length. It's it's how, like, the girth mm. of them, when they're that long, they look like little submarines. Mm. Like, you mm. could, like, stand up inside one. Like, mm. they're so girthy. Nice. Do you know what I mean? It's like... I like, remember seeing in, um, in when I was in Peru and, and, and saw those three-meter fish. Yeah. Um, those massive. Oh, yeah, those Arapaima. Arapaima, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And like, that alone. was crazy. Yeah. Like, seeing mm. a fish that big yeah, yeah. and, like, you know, just like, for me, that was crazy. And that was three. Uh, well, I don't even think these ones were three meters. Yeah. But they grow up to yeah, three yeah. meters, you know? 
What can so, Great Whites grow up to? Six meters, I think. Six yeah. So meters. I think I think I think the largest documented Great White shark. So like officially measured, mm-hmm. I think is like twenty-one feet or something like that. But um, it's pretty much agreed, although no one can can say for sure. It's pretty much agreed in like um, um, you know amongst marine biologists and mm-hmm. stuff that um, there have been some past examples which were probably about twenty-four. That's crazy. There's been tales of like sharks in like the Mediterranean, for example, that um, all fishermen, um, you know, were sort of famous around Mm. the fishermen because they'd see them like every year. Yeah. Um, Almost like a jaws shark. Yeah. Well, it's interesting as well. The Mediterranean Sea, um, it's almost like a hotspot for for um, great white activity. Strangely, it's not the sort of place where you'd have to worry about it too much, like swimming in the sea, say, in like mm. Italy or Greece. Although they're saying that there have been great white shark attacks in Italy. Mm. Um, quite famously, I, mean, I think when in the 90s, I always remember when I was a kid, there was a famous example of a diver who I think his name was like Luciano Di Costello or something like that. And um, yeah, he got taken, he got eaten by a great white shark wow. just off the coast of Italy. But um, they, they tend to go there to breed. Um, they see it as like warmer a safe water. place mm. to have. Well, I don't know if it's warmer because obviously they spend a lot of time off the coast of South Af- uh, mm. Africa and Australia, which is obviously very hot water as well. And and places like Mexico, they love Mexico, California. Mm. Um, obviously, hot spots for them, isn't it? Where basically a, a lot of places where the water tends to be warm and there's, and there's um, or temperate warmer, as they say, they don't like it too too hot. Um, they can survive in colder waters anyway than like mm. than like bull sharks and tiger sharks. But sort of I digress. Um, Usually, where places are where a lot there's lots of seals. Isn't there a thing where where since it's been getting hotter, like global warming and everything, and seas have been getting hotter, they've just been expanding closer and closer. Well, they, yeah, like marine biologists are like almost confused at why there aren't more great white shark sightings in the UK because they mm. say like the water should be perfect for them. Mm. Like it's not so cold that it would put them off. Lack of seals. No, there's lots of seals. Oh, yeah. Mate, we're thinking in Cornwall. Oh, yeah, in Cornwall. Mm. And, and, and Scotland. Yeah. And places like the Isle of Man. Like, mm. you go to the Isle of Man. Um, yeah, I've seen them in the Isle of Man. Yeah, because obviously your gran lives there, don't you? Mm. Um, especially there's if you this go- real nice fish and chip shop that you can go to. It overlooks all the, like, the bay and that, but you can actually go down onto the bay, but there's just, like, loads of seals there always chilling. Yeah, it, nice. you, what about, is it like that, that little, did you go down, it's called, um, oh, what's it called, what's the restaurant called? Oh, it's like a cafe, isn't it? It's not a restaurant. And it's all like windowed. Yep, you're yeah, about, we're yeah. all about the same point. It's got yeah. a name, it's uh, it's just after what's called the Calf of Man. Yeah. So there's the Calf of Man, which is like a tiny, tiny little island off the Isle of Man, which yep. itself obviously is an island. Um, and you can go there. I, I always have like banging like sort of English breakfast when I go mm. there. But you can get lots of different foods. But it's like English breakfast, mm. like you know, grilled sandwiches, like fish lots of different chips. stuff. Yeah, fish and chips, things like that. Like, but like coffees and things like that. Um, and yeah, it's like massive sort of windows, mm. isn't it? But then yeah, as you said, you can get out and you can walk right down, and it's like a seal hotspot in the UK. And you can go there like pretty much any day of the year, and you can get like a really cool sort of seal experience. I remember me and them. Um, I can't remember if it was the last time we were there or the time before. We saw in the distance a whale as well when we were there. Wow. Yeah, I Whoa, think nice. it was probably like a minky whale. And it was really cool as well because as soon as we saw it come out of the water, other people must have seen it as well. And then you could see like there was this boat that was out there. And it, I don't know if it was like they were like researching it or something or if it was like a tourist mm. boat. But either way, they were sort of like going around it. And I thought, mm. oh, it must have been cool to be on that boat, you know, and see it. Do you know what is like a growing thing at the moment that I've seen loads of? Are uh, people choosing to go out and swim with tiger sharks? So yeah, there I've are people that. that have been I've like free swimming with tiger sharks yeah, and the whole that, thing yeah. is that they like direct them with their hand yeah. away from them. Yeah. But that seems dodgy, man. I don't it does know. Seem dodgy. Like I'm, I would not want to be with a tiger. I feel like a tiger shark is even more dangerous than a great white. Because if a, if a great yeah. white's not hungry, it'll probably leave you alone. 
Yeah. If a tiger shark sees you, it's like, you know what? Well, they say that great white sharks um, often eat people uh, because they, they mistake you for like a mm. seal. And yeah. Because we're about the same size. And especially if you're in a wetsuit and you've got like, uh, flippers on, mm. you, the, 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 your um, silhouette looks mm. a bit like a seal. Mm. And you're about the same size. Do you know what I mean? Like seals often get to about six foot and mm-hmm. between sort of four and six foot. And that's obviously like pretty Especially much. if you're like splashing around loads and everything. And you make him seem to think that you're maybe an injured yeah. seal, which is, which is even more reason that they'll come in and give you a bite. But... Uh, yeah, tiger sharks and bull sharks are considered as, as like more aggressive. Mm. So they're more just like less. They're, they're basically they're less fussy. Mm. Um, they find them like eating tires and stuff, don't they? Oh tiger yeah, sharks. Even, like they just eat anything. They've even found like license plates from yeah. like cars that must have somehow ended up in the sea, and then they've just like bitten off license plates. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll hold that thought. Anyway, we got to um, wrap up this hour, but we'll be back in a minute, guys. Is that an hour? Yeah. Whoa. Damn. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Um, yeah. So I. Just before, um, well, a bit earlier on in the show, anyway, we were. I was trying to find a little graph of comparing the Atodus sharks to the Great White Sharks, and I've actually um, successfully found one. So on this little graph that we can see here, um, number four is the Great White Shark, what's known as Carcharodon carcarius, right? So that's the Great White Shark. All of these are the Atodus sharks, right? So look at the size of these. I said every single one of them is bigger. Like, even that one. Do you know what I mean? Like, say that's like the smallest one. Mm. That's still like a good couple of feet bigger. Like, even like three, which is the second smallest one, is like noticeably bigger, isn't it? Mm. And then like, yeah, Megalodon is the most famous one. But Megal- I always think, ding dong. I always think that Chabentensis, like, you know, obviously it's nowhere near as famous as Megalodon because I guess that the biggest one is always going to be the most famous. But that's still freaking huge. Mm. That's still like ridiculously big. Well, they're all ridiculously big. That's the thing that like staggers me, but. Yeah, look, so that's, that's a little, look, they've done like a little thing of a swimmer there. Imagine being that poor fella. Oh. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, dude, these are toadus sharks, just. Want to hook a rope up around its top fin and ride it. <laughs> <laughs> Poseidon. Poseidon has entered the building. I bet they would have all been pretty mean sharks as well. Oh, yeah. What I even think is even more epic is one of my favourite creatures that's ever lived, the Leviathan Melvilli, which is the ancestor of the sperm whale. Mm. I think it's so mental as well that it it was basically like a bigger... Well, no, it wasn't, actually it wasn't bigger, but it was like a more aggressive, um, larger-toothed version of, of like a sperm whale that lived at the same time as Megalodon. And they, like, marine biologists think, like, for sure. They, they, they know that they, they, they inhabited some of the same environments, so they just think it's it's almost like impossible that they didn't clash sometimes. Mm. And I think fights between Leviathan Melvilli and like a Megalodon. Ima- <laughs> imagine being like in some like invulnerable submarine mm. and witnessing that in the ocean. It would be like insane. <laughs> yeah. Like both of these things would be like so insane. Like they would be like. It's like a movie. It would almost, it would probably be like the same size difference to us as maybe like a mouse is to, to us. Mm. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm. So what do you think about that? Imagine feeling that that's what and just seeing these juggernauts. I think as well, a cool fact about Leviathan Melvilli, they had the largest teeth of any animal that ever lived. That's crazy. Bigger than any dinosaur. Damn. Anything like that. So I'll type in... Um, so cool that it's called the Leviathan as well. Yeah, so Leviathan, Leviathan. obviously... A crazy cool name. Leviathan named after the Bible, because mm-hmm. in the Bible there's some mention of some giant sea creature, um, and, and Melvilli because um, it was... Uh, oh, Mr. Melvilli. What was his first name? Was it Herman? <laughs> was it Herman Melville? Anyway, Melville, it was, it was the guy that wrote Moby Dick. Oh, which is obviously right, about right, which right. is obviously about a giant whale that he's yeah now. yeah um, so yeah let me type in um, Leviathan Leviathan Melvilli oh, I have to spell that wrong Le- Le- Leviathan Leviathan 
Melville. Because even nowadays, sperm whales fight against giant octopus, don't they? Yeah, which they find, is, which like, is they find, so like, epic. Sperm whales have like huge, like octopus markings around them from when they've had like a crazy battle in the mm. deep ocean. Even that, I just love that fact. Like that, look, that's the skull. The good thing about Leviathan Melville as well is sharks are made out of cartilage. So unfortunately, we don't have their skeletons; we just have their teeth. Whereas obviously, whales are mammals like us, so we have their bones. Like that's the skull of a Leviathan Melville. Like, look at those Whoa. teeth. Like those teeth are crazy, man. They are. They look weird. They look like bananas. I was going to say they look like bananas or like sweet potatoes. Mm. Like <laughs> like massive sweet potatoes. Yeah. Oh. But, yeah. So this is the size of a, of a Leviathan Melville compared to a human. Um. So this is what Whoa. they would have sort of looked like in the ocean. It's mad when you look at the actual skull that, that, that like, there's a big bit missing. Like, that, all that, yeah, that crater. crater that's that's why sperm whales have them as well. So, um, you see this part of the, the, the head. See the, yeah. the big bulbous part. Yeah. See, that's made up of, of um, muscle and also a fatty tissue, which is called spermaceti. Spermaceti is one of the main reasons why whalers whaled um, throughout the centuries. It's basically a super... Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like um, versatile substance. You can use it to make perfume. You can make it to use soap. You can use it to light lanterns. Mm. You can basically you can use it. It's, it's almost like, like blubber. It's like this amazing substance, spermaceti. It's called spermaceti. I'll, I'll type in in a minute, like uses of spermaceti or something like that. But it's one of the main reasons why whalers whaled throughout mm. the centuries. It, you could make a freaking fortune yeah. from spermaceti, like whalers could. Mm. And it's one of the main reasons why a lot of sailors didn't want to give up. Um, um, uh, you know, hunting whales. So yeah, there'd be this massive um, muscular and fatty blob thing here. But also, I'm pretty sure that it was something to do with the spermaceti. That's what they used um, as like their sonar. Whoa. You know that basically what like they can hunt through basically like sonar. So mm. they like, send out things and then like the sound will like bump off them or whatever. Or they can they can almost like see echolocation. It's almost like yeah, mm. but it's almost like but it's almost like an infrared as well. That gives them almost like a picture of what's in the ocean. Mm. And then they can hone in on stuff, so it makes them super effective hunters. So um, it was, I think, it's something to do with a spermaceti like that. So if you look, as I said, if you looked on a Monday sperm whale skull, it would look the same. Mm. It's, it's, wow. it's yeah, very interesting. Very it's interesting. like in Avatar two when they uh, when they track down that huge sea creature and kill it for like the juice that's inside his head. I assume that is obviously I, I haven't what it's seen based that, off. But of. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah, mm. spermaceti. But look, we have um, a little comparison here of a killer whale skull. Bear in mind, killer whales grow to over thirty feet. Right, so over thirty feet, so like way over ten feet longer than like the biggest great white sharks. So we've got a killer whale skull here compared to a leviathan skull. You can see they're pretty similar, and yet again, obviously killer whales have that a much narrower skull than almost you would expect, but it's for the same reason. Mm. It's for the same reason. Um, look, we have a little depiction here of a fight between a leviathan melville and a megalodon. Whoa! It's um. Bigger it's, mouth than a megalodon as well, isn't it? Like, yeah. Mm. They think that the megalodon had a stronger bite force, but um, Leviathan Melville would have definitely been more intelligent um, mm. and had bigger teeth, things like that. So a lot of people argue about who would have won in, in a battle, but I think you've surely you've got to say, like this is like little kids in a museum next, Whoa, to, a, nice, next to the skull of a... Of a Leviathan Melville. That's mental. Isn't it? It's actually crazy when you actually see context, like someone that say my daughter's size next to it. Like, look mm -hmm. at that, it's crazy. Isn't it? When you see it almost like more front on like that, it almost looks a bit more sketchy. Mm, it looks like a snake. Especially when you consider, like you say, all the bits that would have been taken off it. So it's not just the size of the skull, mm. but all the, the like, muscle, the fat, huge bit above as well. Skin. It's mental. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just sort of getting back to what I was saying. I think I think you've got to say that surely the sperm, sorry, the Leviathan Melvilli would have. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there were times where Megalodon killed Leviathan Melvilli because I think with a, with a creature like Megalodon, all it would have taken is like one big bite and you would have mm. bled out, bled mm. out, or just died of something. You know, imagine mm. those puncture wounds of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's just so just like catastrophically massive. Mm. But I I just think it, the same way that killer whales pretty much always beat um, great whites in the wild I just think you've got to think the same thing would happen with the mm-hmm. Viper Melbourne I mean I don't think there's ever been a documented case of a great white shark even attempting to attack a killer whale and and quite to the opposite of that there's there's um there's yeah there's this <laughs> video proof of, ki- of of killer whales actively attacking um, great white sharks killing them and then eating their liver um, not only that but marine biologists have documented because great white shark's sense of blood is so good that there's um obviously when they kill the sharks when the killer whales kill the great whites their blood goes into the water and if a great white shark in like within a couple of miles gets even a hint of 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 um its own blood that it can tell it's a great white shark blood mm. then they will flee the area mm. so there's been cases i think it was in south africa i watched a documentary on it and um the the moon biologists were really confused because it was like um feeding season basically for great whites in like cape town or something like that mm-hmm. and obviously there's just like thousands of seals there so usually that time of year there's just like great white sharks all over the place it's like sketchy as like it's sort of time of year you do not want to get in the water mm. but um there was no great white sharks at all and they couldn't understand why they, they could find them and then they found out it's because um a killer whale had eaten mm. a great white shark and then all the all the great white sharks basically just completely fled the area so they were like they were like scared mm, they were scared damn. they were scared of the killer whales but i think it's like hey killer whales are stronger um and yeah you just i think there's no substitute for intelligence mm. with with intelligence comes way superior tactics and like problem solving i think problem solving is such a big thing like with a great white shark as formidable and terrifying as it is it's basically just like a big bitey machine mm-hmm. if you find a way through your our human intelligence to get around that you'll be able to find a way to beat it. Mm. Whereas when you're dealing with something that can comp- uh, can like solve complex problems, it, it, it sees an issue like, okay, there's a great white shark. Okay, so what's the danger here? Okay, it's their mouth. Okay, so avoid the mouth. And and they scientists know that if you if you turn a shark upside down, it goes into what's called tonic immobility, where for some reason they just almost seem to get like paralyzed. Mm. Mm. It's really weird. <laughs> great, um, it's been like literally documented that killer whales have figured this out they will ram great white sharks really hard from the sides at like side at full speed, stun them for a second and then hold them in the mouth and then hold them upside down <laughs> so that they know that it paralyzes them and then they will rip out their limb. That's crazy. The thing crazy? is, you would, you would almost put a bet on a killer whale even if it is smaller than a great white because yeah. of its intelligence. But the fact it's smarter and bigger. And they hunt in packs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So great white sharks are solitary animals and then they have to fight something that's 10, th- 10, 10 feet longer than them. Um, and they've got like freaking anywhere between like, I don't know, like anywhere between like five and potentially like dozens of buddies. Because mm. obviously it depends on the pod, but some, I think some pods of orcas even get up to like 40 and stuff. Mm. And there are other smaller ones. Um, the smaller ones tend to be more aggressive, um, which are, tend to be known as wolf packs. Um, sometimes it would just be like a pack of like seven, but they tend to be in this very smaller packs. It tends to be like very aggressive young bull males, mm. which get, which tend to go after more dangerous prey mm. so you see like like wolf packs as they're known of like these super alpha male killer whales with bad attitudes that are, like actively target things like great white sharks 
That's crazy, man. You do not want to come across them. No. Well, across I mean, obviously, them. luckily, there's no documented case of a, of yeah. a killer whale ever attacking a human. Not in the in the sea. There's been some disturbing cases. Yeah. I think we talked about it on Pandora's box of like killer whales captivity. attacking ships. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, it, in captivity. Yeah, yeah. They have a yeah. yeah. I feel like yeah. we we kind of deserve it in, in, when we're holding them in captivity, though. Oh mm. yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. An animal like a, a killer whale should not be yeah. essentially like a goldfish bowl, should it? No way. But it but makes you wonder why it's happening in the world. Like, why are these killer whales starting to target the ships? Oh, mm. it wasn't it because the um uh, the, the ships were damaging the whales? I think they? there's a theory. Oh, okay. I think yeah. there's a theory that and then maybe... they were targeting the fins. They were targeting the the, the rudder. The, 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 the rudders. Rudder. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, yet again, problem solving. Like when you're on a boat, a big boat, you never have to worry about a great white shark. Mm. It might like come out and bite the side of your boat. If you're in a big enough boat that's made up of good, hardy yeah. material, like, it's not going to sink, is it? I find it mad as well, like, um, with evolution, why certain animals don't develop uh, or don't go on the path of developing more intelligence, really. Mm. Like, when you think of, like, mm. like the sharks and how the megalodon and how, like, mm. like, big they were and kind of, like, great whites now, like, looking kind of similar mm. and stuff, and all of that same time's passed, but mm. they haven't, like, really got more intelligent. They when you consider they're like, around before trees. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. even then, they've, they're still yeah, not, isn't like, that growing amazing, that much isn't, intelligence. Isn't that an amazing fact that like, sharks are around before trees? Yeah. Uh, I love that dragonflies? Like one of oh, the first, one of the very that, oldest. Yeah, like they're like yeah. they're like older than That's dinosaurs, cool. especially when you, yeah they're, cool, they're yeah. much older than dinosaurs, and especially when you consider they're still around today. They are like, I th they might even be the oldest continuous species, like, species mm. if you know wow. what I mean. Even though it's not exactly the same species, it's like its lineage mm. literally goes back like like pre um, tri Triassic, which was like the first era of the dinosaurs. Oh, oh that's my hat. The hat's gone. Man. <laughs> it's just flown off. I look like I've got a wig on. Yeah, like that hair is like is like wig hair. You know when yeah. you see mm. some people like have like wigs. Yeah. it's just placed on top of your head. <laughs> it's interesting because I've had my hat on. It's interesting. Like octopus are super ancient as well. So like octopus are also older than trees. Wow. So both sharks Whoa. and octopus are older than trees. Man, and this goes like on. Aliens. This goes on to what yeah, I was going to show you that I was going to that I said in the break. Um, it might be worth trying to pull up a video yeah, so of this it, if you can see it. I saw a video recently on Instagram and it was an octopus that they found in the deep water and they're recording it and this thing just like blows up and it grows to like this huge massive size and I didn't Is even it a know new octopus can do octopus? it. I don't know. I, I just saw this video and everyone in the submarine's just going, I think they're all marine biologists and stuff and they're just sat there going, oh my Whoa, god. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? So I look it up on YouTube. It's I'd just like it like just expands mm. to be this huge like sphere. It's it's crazy. It's the most alien thing that I've ever seen mm. like, on the planet. Mate. I saw another thing get discovered in the Antarctic as some well of recently. That, some of the like the deep sea animals that they're discovering and things like mm. that is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I bet around that area, like around the Antarctic and stuff like that, there must be so many. What was the one that I saw the other day? There's a new species of sea monster with 20 arms uh, and it was found in frozen it, is, seas is around this, Antarctica. Isn't this some sort of weird cephalopod as well? I think so. I'll show you a photo of it. I'll show you the camera as well. That's like the photo of it. Oh, yeah, that's definitely Look a cephalopod, isn't it? Looks gross. Looks gross. Yeah. Whoa! So it almost looks like a um, like a really weird octopod. Yeah, octopod. Crazy. <laughs> That's like true scientific <laughs> term. It looks like an octopod. <laughs> <laughs> like one of those octopods. Clearly um, evolved from the water vole. We all did. <laughs> we all did. Don't you know? I'll have a look for it on my phone for a second yeah, man, and see if it. I can find it. And then um, help me out. I, I just mm -hmm. typed in deep sea octopus blowing up. <laughs> um, but yeah, Let's expanding. 
expanding maybe i was doing some research on some weird fascinating creature the other day and apparently it was like one of the first um creatures in the sea um and i thought it was like a fascinating animal let me try and find i I saved an article about it i didn't i didn't get a time i didn't get time to look into it properly at the time but i saved the article so we can maybe we can discover this Mm -mm. together a melting pot of life. A melting pot of life. <laughs> mm. yeah. The Earth is a melting pot of life. Oh yeah, this is another cool. Just as a sub sub fact. Sub fact is that a thing? Um, a new species of eight-eyed monster spider has just been discovered in an abandoned mine in Mexico, which I thought was pretty badass. Is it monster big? spider? Um, let me have a look. The new it better be big. <laughs> <laughs> it better be big, or I'm not interested. <laughs> The new spider was found by a team of researchers from the San Diego Natural History Museum who were exploring the Sierra Cacachilas, a small mountain range in Baja, California, sur. They noticed a huge exoskeleton hanging from the ceiling. A huge one, Drew. Huge. It was big. They noticed a huge exoskeleton hanging from the ceiling of a cave and decided to return at night when the spider would be more active. Mm. They were amazed to see a spider with a body roughly the size of a softball. What's a softball? Like a, uh, like like a, a soccer baseball. ball. Is it? Oh, yeah, is baseball, it I think. Ball? Softball is just another word for like baseball, I think. It's like a very American term, I think it's like isn't it? Softball's like the English version of baseball. You want to play softball? Mm, that's weird, isn't it? What's um, pickleball? Huh? Pickleball is like a new version of tennis. I've never heard like of that. Like a new yeah. version. It's like a, I've heard a, of pickleball, but I wonder what it is. It's a game they've put like loads of investment into in, in, oh. in America for some reason. And it's a bit like a mixture of sort of badminton and tennis. Uh, but, so um, that sounds like it'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. I love badminton. So just to give a bit more, um, bit more um, information <laughs> on these on these spiders, it says the researchers collected eight specimens of this new spider and sent them to Maria Luisa Jimenez, an expert on Baja spiders from the Centro de Investigaciones Biologicales del Norestis. Del mundo. Del mundo. <laughs> patatas bravas. Um, she confirmed that the spider was not only a new species, but an entirely new genus. Whoa. Meaning that it was very different from any other spider alive today. She named it Califorctanus cacachilenensis after wow. the mountain range oh. where it was found. found out. <laughs> the researchers cut eight specimens Real from different time. locations, including an abandoned mine shaft and a pit toilet. Ugh. Jimenez, that was a bit of a poo one. <laughs> Jimenez said that she had never seen a spider this large in all of her years of collecting spiders on the peninsula. The newly discovered species is a coffee brown head and legs and a yellow abdomen with some iridescence. Oh, darling. Have they got pictures? It has visible fangs, but its bite is not fatal to humans, unlike that of its cousin, the Brazilian wandering spider, one of the deadliest spiders in the world, Whoa. whose venom can cause severe paralysis and respiratory failure ultimately leading to death. Whoa. <sighs> I'm pretty sure there's there's wandering spiders in the UK, and apparently they're a really distant relative of um, the Brazilian wandering spider. Um, but they're just like, they can bite you, but it's like, you know, it wouldn't, mm. wouldn't really do any damage. Mm. Well, I thought that was quite a cool fact. But it's just like, you know, separated by like, mil- obviously it's yeah. been a long time since the UK was joined to... South what were you America? telling me as well when we were around Savannah's house once about spiders and about false like, widow spiders? Because uh, they like she had quite a few in her little yeah, thing, and yeah. I was like saying like they're pretty dangerous, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean I know that in recent years they've had to like shut some schools at the beginning of terms because they've like gone back um, after the summer holidays and there's been like infestations of and false were they widows. They brought over by something else. traders from uh, Spain. Yeah, Spain. Right. Spaniolas. <laughs> um, Espanol. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I think as well, even so, like Linton and Lidmouth, I think that's where they started spreading. So, um, is your neck hurting you today, man? 
I can tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was getting bad neck vibes from you. Yeah. Um, how did that happen, man? Oh, man, I, I slept on it funny last night, and I stretched in the morning, just, you know, as you do when you That's wake it. up. But yeah. I didn't realise, but I made it a lot worse by stretching. I cricked it more when I stretched, so I'm just kind of like... Is it giving you a savage headache? No, I haven't got a headache, but normally it's the right side of my neck where I have a problem, but mm. this is all down the left side. Mm. So Does it ever like, give you, you like, pains down your arms or anything, like shooting pains down your arms or anything like that? Or? Normally my back. Mm. Give you back pains? Yeah. Oh, savage, man. I'm sorry to hear that, dude. Yeah, so it's a little bit, uh, little bit, you're bit of. You're like quite often, don't you, man? Yeah, I've got a bad. I've got to go get crick in my neck all the time. You should maybe think about getting weird. like an MRI scan, dude. Yeah. Because yeah, if you, if they, if, or if they, no, I don't reckon a chiropractor. No. Get an MRI scan, uh, um, done. Because what obviously that will do is it will, it will identify the specific problem. Because say yeah. you know, say somebody says like, I have a back, a bad back or a bad neck, mm. like. Your back and your neck is a very complicated thing, isn't it? So it could, you know, it could be like, you know, you know, it's all like C4, C5, or Mm. you've got like a a partially lacerated disc on your C5 or Mm. whatever, like, you know, things like that, or a crushed disc in your, you know, whatever. Um, Oh, here he is, Bullwinkle's Yeah, normally it's on my right side, but it's definitely on my right side still today, but Mm. just like much worse than my left, which is is weird. It's like both, it's like really like weird. (laughs) If like a specialist doctor, if you had an MRI, and the MRI scan was um, examined by like a oh what's um bone doctor's called again orthopedologist. Um, I think is it? I think I think it might be orthopedics. Oh cool. I think it, <laughs> I think it might be orthopedic doctor. Oh nice. Or I don't know if you're just planting that now and I'm yeah. going on with it. I think it might be orthopedics. I'll I'll, t- I'll, I'll quickly look it up. Um, Bullwinkle's video was at the ready, so we'll we'll get a look onto that back on when we've just. Mm-hmm. Um, Bone doctor. When we just diagnosed my problem. When Drew's neck is fixed. If that was was, um, scanned by a bone doctor, the the findings, then they would probably be able to tell you a way to make Mm. it better. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so they would say, you need this type of physio. For me, it's sleeping. Like, I wake up, like, like, if I've slept in any, like, I don't even know if it's a weird way. It just feels like a normal way to Mm. me. Orthopedic doctor. Is it? Orthopedic. (laughs) You're so funny like that, Drew. Like, you are... You know things, I don't but, know don't, why I know but them. don't know why you know them. No, they're just in there somewhere. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I think everybody is like, is like that with That's a lot of stuff. Bit. But I could probably tell you a lot of... Re- like, I wouldn't be able to tell you why I know everything I know, but I'd be able to tell you a lot of what. Yeah, you lot, always you know have I mean? a bit of background knowledge around it as Whereas well. Whereas you know random stuff, <laughs> and you and you don't... You're, you're surprised that it's even the right answer. Yeah. But you'll give the right answer. And I'm like... Mate, that's that's like interesting. I feel like you'd be really good in a pub <laughs> quiz. Once, oh, just once, once, and say a random answer, and then be like, "I'm not once, sure." Once, yeah. once, once, right. once we were doing like an informal quiz together, and before I had a chance to answer, um, they asked what was the biggest state in America, and Drew was like Alaska, and then it was like <laughs> correct answer, and I was like, and you were like, and you were like, oh, I didn't even know that was the right one. I was just sort of guessing, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like that's that's. But it just comes like that, yeah. and it's it's like it's just like that. Like sometimes when it's like that, yeah. so you know, normally you've got to like rationalise why you know that, but it is just like bump. Yeah, like I'd start thinking, okay, what is the biggest state? And then I start like almost like making sure it was right before I said, like second guessing myself, you know, like why do I think that this is right? Compare it to the other states that could potentially be the biggest ones. But mm. you were just like Alaska. Oh, is it right? Is it? Oh, I don't know. I knew that. But you had obviously <laughs> heard it somewhere and it's stuck. But it's like, it's hilarious because it's like the files are there. But like, mate, I don't know how they're there. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You've uploaded them into the system somehow. Yeah, it's like but... it's like a computer. Like the hard drive doesn't judge. Like <laughs> the hard drive doesn't judge, man. <laughs> it's just there. <laughs> just remember, pull it up. The hard drive doesn't judge, man. <laughs> <laughs>
but but yeah, getting back to the orthopedic doctor thingy, like yeah, if you if you went to an orthopedic doctor and you had an MRI and they, they then they could tell you exactly what was wrong, then you they could probably um put you into the you know, point you in the right direction of like a physio, which and then they could send the physio that the MRI with the basically what was wrong from from the orthopedic doctor's point of view, and then the physio would take that and obviously they're specialists in, in basically healing or at the very least treating whatever issue you have. Yeah. That's basically what like rehab or physio is. Mm. You know, it's like it's like when my uncle John obviously he like had to have a hip replacement. He obviously had to go to physio. Mm. And he's like, whenever you have like a bad injury, you have to have like physio or go to like, you know, some type of rehabilitation. And it's basically it's it's basically like intelligent gentle exercise, isn't it? Mm. And it's like in applied intelligent gentle exercise that can basically stimulate recovery mm. in a certain region of the body mm. through very specific exercises. Sounds bloody lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's basically it's almost like being a PT, but for he- but but very specifically for healing stuff. Mm. So it's quite different to like a sort of regular PT that mm. would walk into a gym. I know? find it weird. I was like certain things. Like for me, it is always sleeping that does it. Like like Mate, it's you need never to, really you, anything that you I need ever to get a new do pillow as well. You need to get a new pillow. Yeah, new pillows. Get yeah. an orthopedic Memory pillow. Mm. You need to get an orthopedic pillow. Funnily enough, I've been looking into it to myself because every now and again I get a bad neck. Definitely, I can tell it doesn't bother me anywhere near as much as it bothers you because you seem to be. It seems to be like a chronic issue with you, dude. That's yeah. why I said I think it's about yeah. time you got an MRI or something. But um, every now and again I do. I don't know if it's like years and years of squatting heavy and having like a bar. Yeah, mm. high on my back with like so much weight on and stuff like that. Um, things like that. I imagine it probably is. But um, every now and again I get it. But. I so say I've started looking into like really good like neck pillows. Like you can, if you literally type in like best pillow for neck pain, yeah, you will find like a really. Seen good a load on it, man. They look good. They and some of them have got like really cool like curved things in the in the middle and stuff, so that it's like it's literally designed for optimum like health of your I mean, neck. Yeah, have you seen the one that's called Groove Pillow? No, can I have a look? Yeah, it looks really cool. Like, <laughs> it's quite a long one. Groove Mate, that looks good. Pillow. Yeah. Looks v- voted best buy by the Telegraph, and it's got. Like high trust pilot rating. It's, it's only thirty quid. Yeah. I'm the Groove, formerly Easy Sleeper, <laughs> memory foam pillow s eliminates neck and upper back pain and stiffness, stiffness by correcting your posture while you sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard another thing as well. Like even for people that, that don't have like a reason why they have a bad neck, but they can literally get a bad neck from having a bad pillow. And they were saying like a lot of pillows, especially like overly stiff and thick pillows, say you're like sleeping like that. What that's doing is obviously you have you have trap muscles like either side of your neck. It's it's shortening this one and elongating this one. So it's making this one like really tense and tight and this one like elongated. And then you're spending like the thing, you spend like a, yeah, say, like a could, third of your day yeah, like that. Yeah. And it's almost like pulling. Yeah. And then mm. and then it can like just cause like issues. Oh. You know? Do you know what I mean? It's like it's Damn. weird. If whenever you like contort anything, it's like what well, we talked before about those little Chinese lady feet and, Ooh, we talked about all, and those African ladies with the necks. Mm. And whenever mm. you put your body through anything that's almost like an unnatural thing for prolonged periods of time, it's going to like start morphing Change. in an unnatural way, which mm. is probably eventually going to lead to some sort of pain, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because it's just not normal, you know? Mm. Our normal basic state is just us like naked, stood up. Yeah, I almost feel like I want to get like pulled on like a, on one of those medieval like stretches. Yeah. To, like, just we can like, try that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll just like I'll just lie arms, down. Callum gets the legs. We'll tie some rope to you, and we'll just give you a good old yank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I need a good old yank. Yeah, yeah. Meg, <laughs> Meg, needs a good old yanking. <laughs> oh dear. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Um, it, everyone was thinking it. Mm. I was just the one that said it. Um, 
but yeah, what was I going to say as well? Um, in uh, not about yanking. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, people are saying it's a bit like people are getting bad necks more often as well, just to do with phones as well, aren't they? Because we're spending like an unnatural amount of time like this now. Mm. Whereas before that the doesn't in, surprise before me. the invention of the well? phone, people would have been like this. Like yeah, this. Mm. you should your natural default state should be like this. And but it's becoming like this. If you imagine as well, like we're sitting here and we're now at a desk, and I'm sitting on a chair, mm. quite comfortable with with a table that's like higher higher than my legs. Mm. Like at at home, um, because in the caravan there's like two basically like beds, and the and the computer is on that bed, and I'm sitting on this bed with some mm. pillows and that skin. But it's it's lower than me. It's lower than my legs. Right. Like the actual the actual like um computer and everything. So it's the total wrong posture for mm. for working at a desk. Like you, yeah, yeah, the Sounds desk awful, should be man. higher there. So so I'm there editing stuff oh, for hours, oh. and I'm wondering if it's that the fact that I've been working for the last four months. Pretty, is like, it something that you could like take out and alter? No, because they're they're just like these beds that are stuck in. So I need to mm. set up another desk or do something that, that where where could it's higher than me, basically. The, could you not work in, in Chris's little studio or something? Or? Yeah, something like that. Maybe he's there all the time oh, now, though. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty much there all the time. So right. I've been noticing with my back, like just sitting down all day doing work, editing yeah. and stuff. Just Even all the time, I feel it in my back. It's Especially horrible. Especially if you're tall. Mm. Mm. I think one thing that might help you, Bullwinkle, um, is is. Uh, you know, do rowing type movements, but really accentuate the contraction. Mm. You know, yeah. because you spend a lot of time like this. Yeah, and like it's good to like work that, say, in like the stretch, like the 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 concentric part of a of a say a rep, or like the, or sorry, the eccentric part of a rep, which is basically like the negative, the stretch. Um, obviously, it's good to work it all through your full range of motion, but you're spending a long time like this mm. with you almost like back in like a hunch, like sort of stretchy position. Mm. Whereas obviously you want to. Pull your shoulders Pop back. Pop it out. Yeah, pull your shoulders back. So a lot of like rows will Yo, do that good. Pat. And even just like, probably even just like, you know, just doing things like this all the time. Mm. I know one thing that I do quite regularly nowadays, which I feel like does my shoulders and upper back a lot good. Hanging. Really, yeah. But also it's like a real simple movement, but it's literally just going like this. Right. And then when you go, when, when you get to this part, pull your shoulder blades right do back. Do it with us, ladies and gents. Yeah, do it with us. Almost like actively squeeze your shoulder blades together and it should feel quite nice. Mm. And then slowly push up while still squeezing your scapula together, your upper back together. And then slowly down and then rotate back down again. Oh. Still squeezing as low as you can go without it hurting. You know, so don't hurt yourself. Just a, a normal sort of range of motion. And then back up again. Slow. It's all slow and controlled. Squeezing the upper back. And just do that like 10 times. And just do that like about like three mm. sets you know obviously oh, it's not it's, stretching it out it's it's like more of like a health um thing but i feel like it's a sort of thing that's it's really mobility. good for your shoulders and it feels really nice for your upper back mm. yeah like a mobility thing as well yeah because it's just taking your shoulders through like a natural range of motion as well because mm. you're it's very rare that your your arms are like above your head much as well so it's good mm. to keep yeah. that like going so you're actually like yeah you know having your hands above your head i think, think i'd like to get, get a standing desk one day yeah I think that just seems yeah. like a... When I would like to work, I Natural think I like to stand step. around and walk around and stuff like that. So that seems like mm -hmm. a, a good idea is getting a standing desk. I think one of the worst things... Um, yeah, one of the things I dislike the most about... Um, yeah, just like recording shows and like some of the stuff that obviously I have to do as part of this the job that we do for, for, for Aspen Weight. 
um, is just the sitting down component mm. of it because mm. everything else I do in my life, oh. I'm not really sat down for long. Mate, it's been for years for me. So when I was at Hinkley, yeah. that that was from 22 years old mm. till like 26 and mm. then coming straight over to yeah. this. Desk job. It, it, it was just desk, desk job. job to desk like, job. Yeah, from mm. 8 a.m. till 5 p.m. every day, mm. just like sitting there. So I reckon it's messed up my back a little bit. Well, that's one of the reasons as well, as you know, Drew, whenever we, I sort of work out, one of the things I do to warm up for my workout is just body weight good mornings. Mm. And can you remember one of the reasons why I do that? Mobility. Well, we, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, stretch out stretch out the hamstrings. Hamstrings, that's yeah. it, yeah, Because yeah. when, when you're sat... My hamstrings are very tight. When we're sat like this, as I've sort of... Uh, the analogy I've given it to it before, so when you're sat down, all right, it might seem like a pretty natural uh, movement, but your hamstrings are technically considered bicep muscles, right? So, obviously, a lot of people just think your bicep... They think of biceps and you just think in your arm which obviously your arm, these are bicep muscles, but also your hamstrings are bicep muscles. Obviously bicep just means muscle with two parts. So there's two parts to your hamstrings as opposed to your quadriceps, which obviously are four parts. Um, so your hamstrings are just like your biceps. Um, but think, if we spend, say, half of our lives, maybe in some cases a lot more than half of our lives, especially if you're like a trucker or something. I think you spend all of your working day just sat down. Like imagine mm. that, you know, I said how much I hated it. Worst drive of my life on the way back from Kent, eight mm. hours. I think mm. for like a trucker, some yeah. of that, that's that's every day. Yeah. yeah, and I felt awful, dude. By the time I felt, I felt mentally fried. I felt physically awful. Mm. Um, just hated it. Um, but I think that's like a normal life for a trucker, mm. a lorry driver. Um, but yeah, so you're sat down like this. It's not a really a natural movement. And the analogy I give is: imagine if you spent over half of your life um, like this all day, or like this all day. Right, with your you have with, avenue with your uh, <laughs> you have avenue. <laughs> well, you know, you know, <laughs> you know baby. But um, yeah, imagine if you did like or like just like this, like over half your life, Get quite tight. Yeah, but think that's exactly the same thing that we're doing to our hamstrings. And then imagine how stiff it would feel when you actually then suddenly elongated mm. your arms. Mm. So this is the normal posture, the same way that standing up is our normal posture for our legs. This is a normal posture for our arms, and then obviously we bend them when we have to. But imagine being like this over half the day, maybe 18 hours a day or something stupid, which it must be for some people, and then suddenly doing that, you'd be like, oh, people would be like tearing their freaking biceps and mm. stuff like that. Imagine how horrible it would feel mm. every time you'd be like, oh. But that's what happens. You get, end up Even getting, now, if I put my legs straight sitting down like this, it feels like so tight on my yeah. hamstrings. It's crazy. Well, you end up getting stiff, stiff, um, tight hamstrings that want to be tense and closed up, um, and then it almost it wants to pull you. And yeah. that pulls your spine, and that and that, um, I remember the guy when I had scoliosis when I was younger, mm. so like a curvature of the spine. Mm. He said that it was because I had a growth spurt, mm. but my hamstrings were pulling my spine. They couldn't keep up with your spine. Yeah, so so they're like because they're attached like the way you mm. are. Yeah, however, of course. they're attached. We're all connected. It's all connected. Yeah, and and it and it had pulled, so it almost like pulled my spine out of alignment and mm. and made it have this curve. Mm. Oh, that was pretty weird. But just yeah. from a growth spurt, that was. Because well, I, I went from, like, really short to just, just normal height. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like quite quickly, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, of course. Mm. Well, I think that's one of the weird things a bit about, especially about um, guys, I think, more radically than women. Because um, women tend to start their um, puberty before men. But mm. It seems to be a little bit more gradual, I would say. I don't mm. actually know if that's true from a medical point of view. But men, it seems to be very radical. Like, it's almost like one minute I seem to remember being about five foot three, and the next thing I know I was about five foot ten. Mm. <laughs> And yeah. then before I knew it, I was like the height, just the height I am now. Mm. It's like really Happy weird how quickly that actually mm. happens, isn't it? One minute you're this tiny little boy. It's like basically like how you look at the end of the secondary, sorry, mm. at the end of primary school. 
next thing you know you're like six foot like that's really mm. freaking weird mm. yeah within like the space of like it seems like a year yeah like, it is i think so. my hype was all just in within one year yeah yeah mm. that full full spurt it's, it's crazy <laughs> yeah yeah that full spurt spurt mm. your girt <laughs> but yeah so like for good mornings as i was saying people are like what is a good morning so if you stand up as um if you just stand up straight to stretch out your hamstrings and also it's like a nice movement for like your lower come back. on show us a good morning man come on baby let's do a it good morning so a nice little very polite name as well isn't it mm. a good morning good morning gentlemen good morning ladies yeah so just stand up straight um and the best way to think of it even though it sounds like hilarious um imagine when you're doing it imagine not that you're bending over but imagine you're pushing your butt back um, if you do that, for some reason, it's a psychological thing that will just make you naturally do it with the right form. So if you did it bending over, you'd be, you know, you might just like bend over and in a way that you wouldn't necessarily feel it stretching your hamstrings. Where if you imagine pushing your butt, butt back, but then yeah, just like going pushing your butt back as far as you can, you'll get to about here. So for here, for me now at this point, I feel like a deep stretch in my hamstrings. You know, just take it a little bit further maybe, and then. I usually just keep my hands sort you of like here. Keep your back just, quite straight then. Yeah, sort of back quite straight. You know, upper back almost, almost like upper back almost like tense a little bit, you know. And then, yeah, just basically just wrap that out. Hmm. Back up again. And then I almost like hip thrust at the top. That's just like helping me tense my glutes and everything. It's just taking it through like a full range of motion. So I'm like actively tense my glutes at the top. And then push my butt back again until I feel a stretch in my hamstrings. And that's just basically the idea is it's, it's keeping me fit and mobile. Mm. You know, it's just keeping me fit and mobile through all ranges of motion. Giving you a good morning. <clears throat> I think one of the good things about weight training as well is because um, you naturally do take your body through every single range of motion. If you work out your entire body, obviously you're pushing this way, that way, pulling this way, that way. You know, legs through different ranges of motions. You're bending over, you're squatting down, all these different things. Um, if you do have an issue, you'll notice it. Yeah. And sometimes I might think, okay, I've got something like a bit of an issue. Maybe that seems to be developing a little bit. So then obviously I'll just try and find a way to address it, mm. you know, and obviously a lot of the things I do are what, call, are what are called sort of almost like prehab movements, you know, so like a prehab movement is just a movement that you do that will stop you from developing an issue. So if rehab mm. heals you from an issue, a prehab movement will stop you from developing an issue, you know. Mm. Preventative. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it's so easy, obviously, because we're all, you know, let's face it, we're all busy people and we all have like jobs and lives and different hobbies and stuff and you know, you're not necessarily actively thinking, or at least most people are I don't think, like, is, you know, am I getting, like, a bit decrepit in this part of my body, or am <laughs> I developing an issue? Sometimes it just happens. Mm. Or even, like, with guitar, and we've talked about, haven't we, you know, like, um, like maybe your issue with your neck might be a result of guitar, and yeah. who knows? We were talking, yeah. remember we were talking before about how, like, Matt Heafy, who's, like, the lead singer of Trivium, he's really into his jiu-jitsu, and he wears, like, a proper, like, a, 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 like a... Four strap. Yeah, he wears, like, a specifically designed, like, four strap, um, for his guitar, so it evenly distributes the weight on both sides, because even just playing guitar, like, chronically for decades, if you think, so the strap, say, say for a right-handed person like myself, the strap goes along here, right? Even just, say, say the weight of a Les Paul, it's a fairly heavy guitar. It's not heavy in the grand scheme of things, but for a guitar, it's fairly heavy, isn't it? It's mm. one of the heavier guitars. Like, even just doing that, I th think if you're a pro musician like he is, and you're mm. playing, like, hour-long... Hour-long, multiple hour-long sets, like regularly mm. every year for your life like that's that could be causing an imbalance the same way as we were talking about with the pillows mm. you know and just being very like one hand like for me when i saw the chiropractor and he said you're so right dominant that mm. it's messing your back up as well like you're just yeah. you're, you're, you're kind of like contorting you're doing every, you're, yeah you're doing everything mm. with your right side like right footed left and right handed 
um that that yeah you just you, you can see the shape of your body is just like <laughs> you know mm. i was like damn i need to get more ambidextrous <laughs> ambidextrous yeah and yeah. he was saying like you know when you do the dishes do do the scrubbing with your left hand like mm. start try and incorporate that more and then he said about some kind of movements some like to stretch out and stuff but mm. i never did them <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough man. Yeah. yeah fair enough dude yeah uh, yeah, again, I, though, I think that's another good thing about going to the gym and like doing sort of resistance training and stuff as well because it's like, you makes know, you, more symmetric. you have to do it with good form. Mm. It's like if you're not doing it with good form, like literally stop doing it. Whether I don't know if you're using, whether you're using too much weight or you're just not thinking about it enough, like whatever, leave your ego at the door. Use a weight that you can confidently and, and definitely do good form with and obviously that will start naturally addressing issues. Mm. And also unilateral exercises, you know, so... Obviously, Bulgarian split squats is a great one for sort of legs. You know, um, if you're doing like bicep curls, maybe, you know, do the, do them with um, dumbbells rather than a barbell, maybe. Um, bench press, do them with dumbbells rather than a barbell because it's making sure there's n- there's no way then that your, yeah. your, your left can be doing less than your right. You know, mm. you have to, if you're doing it with good form, it's basically, it's like if you had a mirror going down half your body, it should look no different than if you took that mirror away. Mm. You know, it should be perfectly symmetrical each side. And if it's not, then you need to address why that is and then change it until it is... Awesome. Address it now. Address it now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we got into that big talk about. Oh yeah, because I noticed that your neck was. Um, mm. Isn't it funny how I just noticed that your neck was bothering you, and then we got into. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't a, even notice that I was doing anything to to make you notice. Mm. We got in like a thirty-five minute chat. And I could tell that you seemed almost like a little bit like something was bothering you. Mm. And then I noticed that you went <laughs> <laughs> like that, just a little subtle like little cues. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's next, I was like, <laughs> I could just tell that you were a bit bothered by something, you know? Something was bothering you, my friend. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. Feel it in the air. Um, but yeah, let's have a look at this octopus then. The octopus. Back to the octopus. That I'm excited for you guys to see this. So it's this crazy. is... Crazy. Um, what, what does it say? It says, Cirotethid octopus billows like a circus tent. Oh, wow. And this is on Nautilus Live. Let's have a look then. Oh, yeah, I'll put up the audio so people can hear. That's the octopus there. This is the cephalopod. Oh my god. Wow. It's creepy eye. It looks almost like, from this angle, it's like a cyclops. um, Cyclopean cephalopod. You should call it, that's a prog metal band. Wow. Or song. It's huge. Oh dear. Oh my gosh. Whoa, what's it doing? It's stretching its skin. They are so crazy, aren't they? Oh, look, its little flaps are coming out. Is it a dumbo? Yeah. Yeah, it's a dumbo. Is it? I mean... It has the flapping ears thing. Oh looks like it has much longer tentacles. Yeah, it looks longer. It's like it's trying to make itself look really, really big, isn't it? Go a little wider. Nice. I wonder if that's what it is it doing. It looks like. very stretched out. Like, very long. Wow. This is huge. Like, How big? That's how big beautiful. is that? Like, it's like more than 20 centimeters across. Because the lasers were like... Yeah, we had them on there. We could see later. But I don't want to ruin the shot now. There's something fascinating about cephalopods, that isn't there? That is it? a mm. big animal. I think that yeah, is the main bit of it, and it just like expands yeah. like that. Yeah, you got it. Crazy, man. Oh, God, I, when I watch that, it looks like the most alien thing cool. I've ever seen. Oh, like yeah, the way it expands its skin to make yeah. like a huge ball. Crazy. Oh, Talking yeah. of aliens, I think it's mad to think that like... We've talked a little bit that about it on the pod mental. before, but I think it's crazy to think yeah, that, like, is actually a chance that we could have human colonies on Mars. Yeah. They're mm. even saying eventually we could, we could, I don't know if it's like, it, it, like, it's in theory, it's a possibility um, that we could 
even inhabit some of like Jupiter's, and I think there was another another planet's moons cool. as well. Man, that because would be so cool. There's no other planet in our solar system that is inhabitable for us other than Mars because it's either way too hot or because it's a gas giant. Mm. But they were saying there are some moons, like some moons of Jupiter, for example, that we could potentially inhabit, but obviously they're too far away for mm. us to get to at the moment. But mm. isn't that just crazy, man? Man, imagine mm. like waking up on the moon of Jupiter and looking up and you see the rings of it all around. That would be insane. It's crazy, dude. I look at the moon and think it's crazy. So mm. if I lived on the moon and was looking at Jupiter, mm. imagine that. That's mm. just another level. I saw something recently that was... Uh, one of the messages that we as humans put out into the into the universe well that we um, have done yeah right. it was done i think maybe like 30 years ago i'll get the exact post but i think was this when we sent out that thing into the universe and it had like music in it and some other things no this one's oh. slightly different um but similar sort of thing essentially it was so these people sent out uh, a message of basically the history of well humans I suppose I'll show you guys the photo and then show the people so we sent, we sent this out yeah so we well, sent this is, out that like, almost seems like a comical thing to send out yeah we so sent this out years we, and years ago I should say underneath the post radio of when it signals was. of 13 drawings representing the evolution of earth were transmitted to space in 1983 interesting today marks 40 years since astronomers Morimoto and Hirabayashi sent messages to star Altair wait, awaiting alien response using a Stanford telescope the duo hum humorously conveyed Earth's evolutionary story through 13 drawings with hopes that extraterrestrial beings would decipher and respond now the University of Hyogo's team confident and vigilant aligns their radio telescopes towards the same star believing today might bring the long awaited reply with Altair potentially harbouring life sustaining planets the age old question of our cosmic companions might just find its answer today so for some reason they reckon either yesterday or today or like one just sometime around now they'll have had you know it would have had time to Got reach there. them mm. and their response to reach us back so mm. if we're ever going to get a response from them they think it's going to be any like time now mm. which I, is pretty crazy i love like the pictures at first it just almost looks like code and yeah then you can see like a what's clearly supposed to be like a microscopic organism um, like single-celled organism, and then you've got almost like a jellyfish-looking thing, and then a fish, and then an amphibian, um, and then a reptile, and then like a primate, sort of monkey-type-looking thing, mm. and then like some naked people, and then like a funny little boy with his hand up. And then the last one, I think I can't tell exactly what it says. It says something, some, it's obviously it's in like Asian writing, some of it, it looks like it is anyway. And then it just says toast. I don't know if it's supposed to be like a mathematical <laughs> equation or something like that, but interesting nonetheless. It was really cool... Um, I heard, um... Show the camera as well while we're moving on. Nice, nice, nice. It was really cool as well, because um, I think it's a... Things like this, I, I think, help us put it into perspective so much, but um, uh, I was mm -hmm. listening to a, um, a video with an astrophysicist talking about the potential, because he was being asked about the recent, you know, talks from different military personnel and that, talking about, like, aliens and, like, whether he thinks that the, the crafts are actual extraterrestrials or does he think it's more likely that it's, like, top secret, mm. you know, like, um, uh, military or some sort of technology that some nation on Earth has, has, um, has uh, discovered or created. Um, and it was interesting because he really, he, he really couldn't make his mind up because he was saying, like, well, some of the military footage were from things like 2007. Mm. And they were saying, like, if say like a if if like a human nation made that, 
surely they would have in some way been implemented in some way by now. Do you know what I mean? Like, other than, like, do you mm. know what I mean? Say, say if these things were in de- 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 developmental stages then, then it seems weird that it would still be so, so tight mm. under wraps and so rarely yeah. used now. And they were also saying, if it is man-made, there's no way that biological life can be put in them. Because say, like, the Tic Tacs and the David Fravor videos. Just because of the G-Force and stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's not so much the speed, it's the stopping. They mm. stop at such a radical um, speed from, like, you know, like, say, like, 100 to naught or whatever, um, but in reverse... Um, any literally, they said any biological life form inside would, would be explode. would just be like smush. Yeah, mm. because yeah. you can't go from being, at, say, like the light of speed mm. to a complete standstill in like a minutia of a second mm. and be okay. Like mm. you actually just it, it just Your bodies can't handle that. Like unless you're in some kind of protective mush. Yeah, you, you physically mm. cannot handle that. Mm. You physically cannot. Ha- no life form can physically handle that. Um, but they were saying, but so it was really interesting. But then he was saying. So obviously, what you're left with is—is is it something from outer space? Yet again, it couldn't be anything biological. Could be something from outer space. Um, and he was saying, like, it is fascinating. He's saying it seems so far-fetched. I think even for extremely open-minded people, it's really hard to get your head around that these things are actually far from are from space. Mm. But he said that um, to, to the analogy that he used, which I thought was so cool, because I think anybody, regardless of who you are, can really appreciate this analogy. He was saying. What we know about space would be the equivalent of um, if you'd never left um, a room in your life, if you'd been locked in like a room all of your life and you knew nothing (laughs) about the sea and then you went um, and then somebody passed you a glass of water and said, um, okay, from this, can you find proof of of any life forms in, in water? then they would, of course, say no. Mm. But they were saying, like, our knowledge of space is the same knowledge you would get from a glass of water mm. of, of all the oceans of the world combined. Mm. And obviously, we, we know that there are, you know, blue... We've, yeah, talked, about, we've talked about the yeah. Atoda sharks. They've talked about great white sharks. We've talked about octopus. We've talked about, you know, whales. The, the amount of things that we know live in the ocean, even just, like, the most, like, you know, uninteresting tiny little fish, mm. we know that it's absolutely full of life. But obviously, yeah if you just scooped up a glass of water from the sea and that was your sole evidence mm. of anything, mm-hmm. it but, would seem like you know, nothing. Put that under a microscope and you can see that life moving around. Do you know well, what I yeah, mean? Oh, like, yeah, you probably even would with that, yeah. Mm. But um, but obviously the point is, is like, yeah, like, you know, yeah. you, you would see that and you would say, okay, well, just from this, there's no proof. But to say, so to say, because from what our current knowledge of space is, mm. that there's no proof of, of, of creatures living in space other than mm. us, it would be the same as saying, well, there's no proof of yeah. animals living in I think it's hilarious. It's like, if it's just yeah. a blueprint of what, what it is, what we are here, it's mm. like, it's like we, are, we are proof of life. Like, mm. you know, life is like everywhere in the whole mm. universe. I think the whole universe is just teeming with life. One thing, you I, know? Thought, one thing I thought was really cool as well, I, apparently it's like quite imminent. I can't remember what country it was. I can't remember if it was, um, I remember thinking it was like quite surprised. I think it might have even been India because I know India have like, um, in the last few decades, actually been pouring a lot of their governmental money into like um, space stuff, for lack of a better term. But um, I think that they might be trying to um, visit. I can't remember. Is if, I can't remember if it's the dark side of the moon or the dark side of Mars. Mm. But either way, it's been previously documented from the limited amount of research we have of that that they think that they're. Oh, I can't remember what it was exactly. Was it like water pools or something like that? But I mean, even that, and that's apparently this is like a very imminent thing. Mm. Like like that, it's almost like any day they're going to be landing there, sending something to land there. Obviously not actual people, some probes and, and things like that. But 
I mean, that alone, like you, God knows what we'll find out. I, mm. I, I would be, uh, it's a good chance you could find like even 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 if it's just like single celled organisms. We know that every single creature on on, on this planet comes from a single celled organism. We mm. all were once single celled organism. Every single animal on this planet, whether it's an ant, a bird, a crocodile, a jellyfish, a human being, a dolphin, we all come. Single cell organism. So even mm-hmm. that in itself is fascinating, isn't it? Shows it? you yeah. how much it can change. Still, I yeah. watched. I watched a really interesting video recently that was talking about how one argument against there being other life currently mm. is that we, uh, the Earth, started being habitable with life around the same time that the universe started being habitable for life. So there was a long we time as humans. Yeah. So they well, not humans. Sorry, just oh, life, in, life general in general on the Earth. So they reckon that the obviously this is only a certain amount of space, which is why you take it with a pinch of salt. Because like you say, we know so little of space. Mm, mm. But um, space in itself was so hostile for such a long time, you know, planets colliding into each other. Surely I mean, it would depend where in space, though, because the universe is so infinite. Yeah, exactly. But I, mean? I think from what we know of, like, because obviously we look into the is past like of places, don't we? I, I don't know. Because I know that mm. obviously if we look into other but like really far portions of space, which I'm not even sure if we can do now that I say it. Um, so obviously, we, we're I mean, looking so into the past. Yeah, because mm. light doesn't travel that long. Mm. So I don't know if we can observe them there and see, oh, this long ago, it would have been unhospitable. Mm. But now, maybe. I'm not too sure how they were explaining it. I need to do like research. Yeah, and that's something say, yeah, I'll do for next yeah. week is research the video. Because I think um, the, the problem with that really is, interesting. Uh, you, I said, when you look into it more and explain it better, there might be a way that ex- mm. explains this. But obviously, time is relative. So I've heard a lot of people say well you know um, the entire civilization has could have risen and fallen yeah um like before even the single-celled organisms True. evolved on this planet mm. do you know True. what i mean because obviously um time is so relative and the universe has been around for so many billions of years already like and, and because the universe is so vast and infinite do you know what i mean it's like we just don't know mm. but um i do think it's really cool just to finish because we're, we're um we're going over a little bit but um i do really think it's really cool I, th- I think i said this this fact on the pod before but i think it's worth saying again for anybody that hasn't been listening this long or, or has forgotten, I love that fact that says that, like, um, like theoretically, if somebody on like it had a had a microscope that was powerful enough outside of our solar system, I can't remember how many light years away you'd have to be, um, but if you had a microscope powerful enough from somebody out a planet outside our solar system that was like a certain amount of of, of um, light years away. If they had, a, if they, if they theoretically, it would almost be impossible to. But if they theoretically had a microscope, uh, uh, sorry, a telescope powerful enough, if they looked at Earth, they would see dinosaurs roaming the Earth because the amount of time it would take for light mm. to travel to their telescope from where they were, the delay would be over sixty-five million years. Mm. That's so cool. So that ev- even that, uh, when I think about that, I think imagine if humans could harness that as a way of seeing um, into the past mm. yeah i was just thinking that as you were saying it like does light carry that memory you know like, what i mean like like think about how many documentaries there are and how many books there are about different theories of how different dinosaurs were and then there'll be some new discovery about oh we thought that dinosaurs were like this but i mean obviously in our lifetime the big one is that now that they think that a lot of dinosaurs like a lot of dinosaurs would have been covered in feathers mm. but even when we were like little kids that that wasn't a thing mm. you buy a dinosaur magazine or watch a dinosaur movie the first Jurassic Park, none of them had. They were like just big lizardy things, like reptile mm. things. Whereas now, a lot of them are portrayed with feathers. You know, so it's like it's always our, our knowledge is. So what else don't we know? Mm. Yeah, that could almost bypass all of this research that all and the paleontologists also, like, are doing. Like, like consciousness as well. How how the idea of consciousness can um can, can like 
um, expand into timelessness and these concepts of like timelessness and stuff and like how you could almost traverse time mm. without any time. Do you know Ooh, what I mean? So yes. just with consciousness, like with that power of that, because you know, like atoms, like how they're connected, you can have them four miles that yeah. way, mm. 15 miles that yeah. way. You do some of that and instantaneously mm. it does it there as well. So they're connected in some way that isn't, um, doesn't have the barriers of time that's connecting them. It's yeah. instantaneous. So if that's true, there's some kind of science that we don't understand about mm. that connects everything on that level without a time barrier, mm. then we could see it instantaneously as well. That that would yeah. be pretty mental. Mm. Yeah, I, a good analogy I saw for that um, was it was saying like, it, it, although it seems like almost impossible to us, they were saying, imagine, I remember saying it, say if, imagine you've got a rope um, and it's tied to say something that's like a metre apart and say you put 200 ants on that rope. Uh, the ants, they can they can decipher their environment um, from how long it takes they they can travel around the rope this way or they can travel along the rope right mm -hmm. so 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 to us that's like how we would think of of like distance and time mm -hmm. and they would figure out how long it takes say to walk from one side of the rope to the other side of the rope um, and the only way that they could think of potentially is doing it faster is just somehow making themselves or inventing something that could get them from one side of the rope to the other side of the rope faster um, to them the idea that they could possibly get to the other end of the rope faster would be impossible. But we, as an outside being who is, you know, more intellectual and is doing the scientific study with the ants, know that you can very easily make sure the ants get to one side or the other. All you have to do is untie the rope and bend it. Mm -hmm. And then you can link up both sides of the rope and then the ants can work much mm. closer. They can literally instantaneously walk from this end mm. to that end mm. just by touching the ends mm. so it's a similar similar principle yeah seems really even with Bending saying that it still time. seems like okay well how would you do that let's mm. bend the rope of space yeah <laughs> even with that like how would you do that i don't know that's that's far beyond my, my pay grade but it's fascinating that they think it even in theory is is potentially doable mm. you know but anyway we're gonna have to leave on that because we've gone wildly over but Crazy. cheers guys wildly over thanks Great for joining episode. us on another pandora's box um we've covered quite a lot of cool stuff today, actually mm. um had a little jam um talked about atodus sharks um cephalopods orthopedic stuff um spiders space and time mm -hmm. and loads of crazy other stuff um we love you have a good week everyone cheers we'll That's be back next week oh yeah and look out for all of that content that we got in um broadstairs oh, folk festival on yeah. our youtube and spotify and all that because that was some really good stuff cheers guys Ta -ta.